Welcome back to another episode of the Be the Obvious Choice podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Miller, and I'm sitting here today with the person that is actually responsible for the the phrase of the obvious choice being even in my life and in my business, and uh, super excited to uh, be joined by my dad, Kevin Miller, today. Um, and I think I think anybody listening probably knows why you're the obvious choice in my life for certain things, because you're my dad. But uh, also, you know, I just think when it when it comes down to work ethic and uh, leading um, by example, I can always point to you, my dad, for um, kind of just showing me the way and and not making excuses and just kind of being the hardest working person in the room. And so I've uh, I've learned so much from my dad. And that's why I wanted to have him on today to kind of just go through who he is as a person, the things that he has done in his life, the thing, the values he applies to uh, his life and the things he shares with everyone to uh, hopefully give uh, anybody out there listening or watching um, some uh, inspiration and some advice, maybe some things not to do as well. Um, but uh, yeah, super happy to have you on. So well, glad to be here. Welcome. Welcome, dad. Um, and this is my dad's first podcast as Very well. So um, if you hear papers ruffling, uh, he, he has thorough notes, and uh, that's awesome. I'm glad he uh, put a lot of effort into it. Some people show up, and they don't know what they're going to say. Um, but he has a lot of good things to share, so um, this is a good one. Everybody uh, that's listening, you will get something out of this. So um, today we're going to be covering the history of Kevin Miller. Um, could be interesting. That, yeah, there's probably a lot of things you can't share with that one growing up in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, there's probably a few things. <laughs> there's lots of questions do. I left off the list. Let's just say that. Um, and, uh, you but can always take the fifth. Yeah, you can always plead the fifth. Um, and then lessons lessons he's learned, fun endeavors, uh, some, maybe some fun stories. And I do have some, some uh, celebrity special guest questions from the likes of my sisters, your grandchildren, my wife that could be scary all sorts of things that uh people were just curious about so uh it's gonna be a very very highly uh tuned into podcast i think um but anyways enough about the show enough about me let's get into uh, my dad kevin so um and just because it's weird for me to call him kevin i'm gonna keep saying dad but just know it's kevin um but dad uh why don't you give us a little bit of your background um your age right now if you want to share um, your family life, your work history, where you live now, where you grew up, that type of stuff. Well, currently uh, I am 62, and uh, I've been doing this uh, job since uh, 1985. So One I, year before I was born. Yeah, yep. In fact, uh, when I started in real estate, uh, your mother was pregnant with you. Mm -hmm. well, actually, we found out a uh, little, little time after that. but uh, Which is interesting because that's the same time I started in real estate when... Yeah. Ashley was pregnant with Jameson. Yeah, exactly. So it's amazing how you follow in those right? steps, right? Yep. <laughs> um, you know, so, uh, you know, 1985 uh, was a, a big change in my life uh, with uh, getting into a new career. Uh, prior to that career, I was um, dabbling around in different uh, adventures and different work uh, opportunities. Um, I'd pretty much worked my whole life. I mean, I started working when I was 11 years old and always doing different things. What was your first job again? Well, my very first job was I was a paper boy, delivered right. newspapers. Uh, we lived in Minneapolis and delivered newspapers door to door. And, you know, when we uh, 
in those days when you uh, it was time to collect, you had to go door to door to collect for the money mm -hmm. for the people that were subscribing to the papers. And so you learned how to talk to people and you learned how to sell newspapers because part of your job was, <coughs> excuse me, was to go out and sell new subscriptions to mm -hmm. people. And, and uh, most of the time it was either riding my bicycle down to pick up the papers and riding my bicycle over to deliver the papers or sometimes I got a ride from your grandmother. Mm -hmm. She would drive me and drop me off at the, the buildings where we would deliver the papers to her, the houses, and we'd run up and down the neighborhoods and, <laughs> and deliver all the newspapers. But from there it worked, uh, you know, worked into other things. Um, <clears throat> but early in, uh, you know, uh, after I got out of high school and out of college in the, in the uh, early 80s, <clears throat> I was working in a... Um, fabricating shop uh, in, a, in a unionized uh, uh, machine shop and and one of the things I learned there uh, oh you know everything you do you, you learn a lesson from but mm -hmm. one of the things I learned there was um, you know in order to um, advance uh, in a union shop uh, you had to have seniority and mm -hmm. no matter how hard you worked and no matter um, how much you did uh, unless you were at a certain seniority level, you weren't moving up. Yeah, you and had to pay your dues a little bit. And your pay was based on, on that, and that didn't work for me. And um, luckily for me, I guess in a way, uh, I got hurt on the job, mm -hmm. and uh, so I was out of work for a little while. You have while. the scar to show it. Where is it? I do. I do on my your hand. left <clears throat> hand, you had a piece of sheet metal. What, what happened exactly? Yeah, so I worked in a, a fabricating shop, and uh, again, uh, and um, <clears throat> the um, one of the things we fabricated was uh, 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 equipment for General Mills. They made these big, we made these big food dryers to dry the cereal and, and that sort of stuff. And then we also made pontoons for pontoon boats. Hmm. Um, but as we were taking some metal out of a rack and then putting some metal back in the rack, one of the guys that was helping me slid the metal in and it sliced my hand between two pieces of metal mm. and uh, cut the tendons in my fingers. And so I was out of work for a while. Well, I was out of work, you know, you, um, you do a lot of interesting things, but I was out for almost a year because of different hmm. surgeries and, and uh, things that went wrong with the surgeries. And well, cause your, cause the, your job you had was very manual like labor yep. like you had to be able to use your yep. hands and yeah. stuff yeah. so you so, just couldn't work yeah so i couldn't i couldn't lift the metal and couldn't do the things they needed me to do so long story short was uh you start watching infomercials you start watching a lot of television you know during the day and uh, you, you're up all night and you, you take naps and there's a movie that came out years ago and probably well what well, was well before your time called mr mom i was literally just gonna say you were like yeah. mr mom yeah <laughs> And so you're at home all day, and you're playing cards with the neighbors, and you're up all night. But uh, you start watching infomercials, and back then, most of the infomercials that were on television were about real estate, hmm. how to buy real estate, how to sell real estate, how to buy real estate with nothing down. How to get rich quick. Get rich quick, yep. 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 Today, that's been replaced with you know, uh, HDTV and fixer-uppers and right. that sort of stuff, You know, getting people interested in real estate. But So I started taking different real estate courses and uh, just trying to learn as much as I could about real estate. And, you know, my goal was to buy a bunch of real estate and uh, get rich uh, buying real estate. Mm -hmm. And one of the um, one of the classes I took, I bumped into a, 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 an instructor there who after the class came up and told me that I asked a lot of questions and asked me if I'd ever consider <clears throat> or if I've ever thought about selling real estate. And I never had. <clears throat> Excuse me, but he indicated that I should come over and talk to his manager. Mm -hmm. So never thought about selling real estate. Went and talked to the manager. Next thing I know, they said, "Yep, we will hire you, and we'll teach <laughs> you, we'll train you, we'll take care of you, and we'll make you a we'll make you a great realtor." Well, 
<laughs> I guess the rest is history. Yeah, no, then, yeah, and and actually, I do want to stop there because I didn't necessarily explain this at the very beginning. Like <clears throat> my dad, Kevin Miller, has been in real estate since '85 and has done everything that you can essentially do in real estate. So for those of you listening that are interested in real estate, uh, he's going to share a lot of good information with that too. But really quick to like jump really like to today just for a second, some of the things that you've accomplished in your career would be, and you'll have to help me out with some of this, but I mean, you used to represent a builder when you first started and you guys sold a ton of houses with Zodke Homes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I started with uh, actually, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I started out as a, a salesperson selling existing homes. Mm-hmm. You know, walking door to door, dropping off mail, flyers, uh, knocking on doors, asking for business, um, all of the things that uh, nobody wants to do today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it's still part of our business. And and as as that grew, and as I learned more about real estate and where where I wanted to drive my passions, I wanted to get involved in new construction. Mm-hmm. And luckily, at the office I worked in, there was a number of agents that represented builders. So I got my start by sitting in model homes with these builders and, mm-hmm. and, and these other realtors and helping them uh, like open houses. And uh, from there, I, I was fortunate to uh, hook up with a with a large home builder, well, <clears throat> a smaller home builder at first, and then uh, and then we recruited a second home builder and then finally got to a third home builder. And, and that builder, yeah, was building uh, at the time uh, 100 to 200 homes per year. Who was the first builder you started with, a small one? The very first builder I started with was a guy by the name of Howard Bohannon Homes. Okay. And, um, and uh, I didn't represent him exclusively. I worked with him and his listing agent. Yep. And then the second builder we worked with was a high-quality custom home builder called John T. Anderson. Both of those builders are you know, not around. And then mm-hmm. we represented uh, Zodke Home Builders after that, which was, you know, a 14-time Reggie Award-winning builder yeah. and uh, built a lot of homes. That's the time that I <clears throat> start to remember, like, when I first think back to, like, early memories of you in real estate, it what necessarily wasn't when you first started. It was more like when you got with Zodke and right. you were working with Mike, right? right. And, uh, yeah, that was a fun fun time. Lots yeah. of, lots yeah, of had uh, a, good had people. A business, had a business partner, and, uh, you know, we were one of the first – I would say, based on the way you look at business today and the way teams are today, mm-hmm. we were one of the first teams ever. Right. At one, but we did our teams a lot different than than they do them today. Mm-hmm. Back then, you know, we had probably twelve to thirteen people that worked with us, and our job was to give them the opportunities to sell houses. And mm-hmm. so, we did that by letting them have model time in our models and we would have two people assigned to each model location and we had seven different locations at one time mm-hmm. and those people would rotate they'd work two weekends a month and two two weekends they'd have off so they could do their other business we didn't share in any of the the commissions they earned and in fact we gave them anybody that came in that wanted to buy they were their client mm-hmm. we, didn't, we didn't participate in any of that um, all we did was retain the listings, and then part of that was we educated them on the new construction. So we would have subcontractors come in, and we'd sit down, and we would talk about, you know, why are we using your windows? Mm-hmm. Why do we use your doors? You know, what do you do with the heating system? You know, how do you put your foundation together? So we would have meetings every week mm-hmm. and make sure our salespeople were really educated on, you know, what was involved in the new construction process right. so that they could then in turn sell it to the customers that came in right and a lot of those people went on to have great careers themselves and they're still in the business mm-hmm. and still do new construction or existing yeah. but it was a great way to educate them and it helped us continue to sell a lot more houses mm-hmm. 
So then after that, you did, I mean, you, you worked, worked with Zod Key Homes for how long? About 10 years. 10 years. And then after that, I I don't know if you, did you do a little bit existing at that point, or is that when you left for a little bit? Um, no. So, you know, when uh, we were working with Zodkey Home Builders, I was always doing existing sales as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was, you know, my primary business still. Mm -hmm. And then we did ex existing sales, uh, and then we did new construction. Um, when Zodkey Home Builders... Um, retired, uh, we basically, at the time, my business partner at the time, Mike and myself, we decided to become general contractors as well. Yep. So, and this is been, what year, roughly? It would have been around 1998, okay. 1999. And, uh, <clears throat> and then, um, um, sorry, just trying to think of these dates yeah. here. <laughs> um, um, so we went and got our contractor's license. We took the classes, got our contractor's license, and we started building homes. Uh, when when uh, Zodkey Home Builders, when Dean retired, um, we still had relationships with a lot of the subcontractors mm -hmm. and stuff that we had met and worked with for so long. So it was easy for us to go to the, the finance companies, arrange the financing with the banks and with the finance companies, and then have the subcontractors already in place so we could continue building the houses. Mm -hmm. And then we went kind of more custom. Zodki Home Builders, for the most part, built um, basically like a um, like a Lennar does today. It was yeah. a you know five or six different floor plans with three or four different elevations, you know, and different yep. options. Um, and they did some customization, um, but we primarily graduated to just custom homes. Was that so? Was that company called Ross and Miller Homes? Correct. Right. Yep. And then um, you actually ended up building the house in. Greenfield, right? Yeah, we built. Is that the, one of the first ones? The 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 very first expensive custom home we built was out in out in Greenfield, yeah. out of Vernon Way on the Crow River. That was our house, <laughs> at, um, which was an awesome, awesome house. Yeah, and then at that time we were also building, you know, in you know Brooklyn Park. We were building in Delano. We were building in Watertown. We were building in. Um, um, A number of different cities. all over yeah all <laughs> over basically and then um, at some point you guys so you're already dining realty the whole time then you left for a little bit yeah it, yep yeah so you know again I started my career with the Dino realty in 1985 and then in <clears throat> 1996 you know there was a, a big uh, push for it, it, when I started in real estate there were you know maybe three good reputable companies yeah it was us, Edana Realty, it was Cobo Banker, and I would say probably Century 21 or something yep. was probably one of the other competitive ones. We didn't have all the other companies like you have today. Yeah. The, mark, the, the, the real estate industry has really evolved into, with technology, it's really evolved into what we see today with all these companies. In fact, some of these companies, they don't even have brick and mortar, right? They right. just have, you know, agents. Right. And in the day I started, it was all brick and mortar companies mm -hmm. that were successful and, and able to do the business. <clears throat> but in 1996, there was a, a new company that had come into our marketplace, had been around for a few years, and we were hearing a lot about it, uh, called Remax. And uh, so uh, my business partner and myself, we thought, well, let's give this a shot. Mm -hmm. It sounds like an exciting thing. Uh, what was the draw to Remax at that time, in your opinion? You know, for us, it was, it wasn't about commission dollars. It wasn't about, um, it wasn't about uh, 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 anything other than we thought if we could buy this franchise, 
Yeah, so you weren't just going to Remax, you were buying an actual franchise of it. Right, we were buying a franchise, yeah. we were going to become the brokers, and we were going to build a, a company. That's different than like just going to Remax. Like you were going to Yeah, we never would have did that. No, okay. so again, the reason we did it was we, I never would have just switched companies to right. switch companies. Okay. We switched for a purpose, and the purpose was by owning the franchise, we could buy a building, mm -hmm. and we wanted to start buying investment properties. Mm -hmm. So we could buy a building, a commercial building, we could own the building, we could lease it back to ourselves, and and eventually that building would be paid for, and we'd have an asset there, and we'd make money from the real estate yep. agents as well. And so we did that. Edina Realty wasn't allowing people to like you can't just go buy an Edina Realty franchise, right? No, no. Edina's like, a independently owned right. and operated. Just for company. people that don't know that. Yeah, um, yeah. Independently an owned and operated company. It's not an option. Uh, there, there are options today. Edina Realty is part of a, a, a larger company today called Berkshire Hathaway Home mm -hmm. Services of America, um, and so if you wanted to buy a Berkshire Hathaway franchise, mm -hmm. you can do that today. Yeah, that didn't but exist though. Back didn't then. exist back then, no. And and in fact. Uh, there were limited companies at that time. Yeah, but anyway, so uh, we there was a building for sale down the street from where our office was in Brooklyn Center. We thought it would be a, a great opportunity, so we went down there and we negotiated uh, this this building. We bought this building and uh, we transferred our licenses and moved. Yeah, uh, we ended up uh, recruiting a number of agents uh, from different areas of town, and um, <clears throat> decided that if we wanted to grow bigger within about, I think we were there for two years, and if we wanted to grow bigger, we needed to go to a different location. Mm -hmm. And at the time, you know, that I started, Brooklyn Center, Brooklyn Park was a hot area. There's a, mm -hmm. you know, 50% of Brooklyn Park was undeveloped. Mm -hmm. And so now as you, as you drive by, it's kind of like Blaine is today. Blaine has so much new construction going on. When I was selling, that's what Brooklyn Park was. Yep. And you know, you don't have that much there in Brooklyn Park today. But anyway, yep. so Maple Grove was the hot area. Yep. And so we started looking at options over in Maple Grove and, um, we found a great location. We were so excited, and um, uh, we we put money down, and they started uh, to build this building, and we started looking at the cost going, <laughs> this is going to cost us like a million three, I think it was. Jeez. Back then, that's a and, lot. And in, in 1998, we were scared to death. 1999, we were scared to death. Can we do this? And um, we started to move forward. Um, we sold our building. We got a good price for our building. We, you know, again, uh, two years, I made almost three hundred thousand dollars on mm -hmm. that building. Now, granted, we stuck money into it. Mm -hmm. So right there, I started learning. Well, this is a great investment. I need to focus more on this. Yep. Um, but we backed out. We actually got scared and we backed out, and we ended up going down the street to another building they were building, but we leased space versus buying another building, and that was kind of where the downfall came in. Mm. Again, the plan was. Buy the building, buy it, yep. lease back from yourself, pay off the building so you have an asset, and you're not making just money on the realtors if you can make money. Because real estate this. brokerages don't make a ton of money, no. but you can make it on the building and your, yep. and, your, and your investments. So we went down the street. We opened up the space. It was a great opportunity. We, we, we got a lot of agents. We had 135 agents in that location. That's crazy. And, and, uh, <laughs> and things were you know, going well. We opened up a, a title division. But again, they're just, you know, it, it's interesting when you, when you look at franchises and, and you look at numbers and they keep telling you, you know, all you need is this many more agents. You right. need to make this much more money. And all you need is this many more agents. And you need to make this much more money. Well, it didn't quite work that way. Because mm -hmm. every time you add agents, you got to add more staff. Every time you add more staff, you, you know, you got to add more equipment. You got to add more. At that time, you had to add more phones. Yep. More desks because everything was, you know, brick yeah. and mortar. Yep. Today, it would have been a lot different. Today, I mean, it, if, if today, if I were the age I was then and I was doing 
that today, mm -hmm. it would be a lot different, mm -hmm. and we would have a lot more success, and you, 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 can, you can do a lot better. Way less you overhead. Don't, you don't have all the overhead, right? Yep. Yeah, it's just like I think about that even like today, and I, I see what some of these brokerages are throwing out to agents and different incentives to come over, and I'm just like, I don't know how they could be making any money off of some of these agents. It's just kind of crazy to me Yeah, I think um, what I these guys are trying to – I don't get their end game. I think uh, there's a there's a misnomer in our industry. I mean, I think all agents believe brokers make a ton of money, and and the, f the reality is we pay most of the money out to mm -hmm. our agents. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about a, a transaction where there's maybe a, a, a commission involved on a, on a let's just use a number a thousand dollars, and there's a seventy percent or eighty percent or ninety percent commission involved that we're paying to an agent. Mm -hmm. That leaves us with a hundred, two hundred, or three hundred dollars at the end of the day. Right. And then you pay for all of your overhead and all of your expenses out of that. And at the end of the day, you don't have anything left. You know, in fact, you're losing money in some yeah. cases. And then the agent comes back to you and says, "I need more money." And then, then <laughs> <laughs> an agent might come back and, and say that, "Hey, so and so down the street's going to offer me this. What will you do?" There's brokerages offering a hundred percent right now, yeah. plus no desk fees for a couple years, and I'm just like. I just don't, I don't understand it. And I'm, I'm sure there's somebody smarter than me that the brokers are making money in other ways. But if they own the building, right. I think that's different. But I think these one brokers in particular don't own the building. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand it. I think they're just kind of doing it because everyone else is doing it. And that's the only way to compete sometimes, you know? Yeah, I think in most cases, um, you know, they're, they're mom and pop, not, not mom and pop shops, but they're, you know, they're, they're smaller operations, right? They mm -hmm. might have a lot of people, but they don't have multiple locations. Yep. And, and they don't offer tons of services because with technology today, they maybe don't have to. And, and they charge fees today and they charge things today that we never charged back then. Yeah. You know, today there's, you know, fees that are, um, you know, transaction fees they call them um, service fees you know um, maybe there's a rent that's charged in some cases mm -hmm. if they do offer on-site locations and and then there's maybe uh, you know uh, additional commission fees that are charged and that's how brokers uh, you know make money today Can run a business yeah right now a company like Edina Realties is is you know our money is made by ancillary services, right? Yep. I mean, so we have our real estate portfolio where we make money. Um, not tons, but some. And then we have insurance that we, you know, offer to consumers mm -hmm. and to our agents, and, and people buy that, and, and we make some money off of that. We have uh, 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 warranty services that we offer, and you can make a little money off of that. And you can have title services that you can make a little money off, and you can have mortgage services mm -hmm. that you can make a little money off. You put all those together, and now as a brokerage, you can make okay money. Yeah. But yeah. if you can't put all that stuff together and, uh, and offer that as a as a one-stop shop, it, it's very difficult. And that's where I think people, agents that are having success and they say they're going to start a team right. miss the boat on. And that's what I missed the boat on for a long time, too, is the team itself won't be that profitable unless you are charging way too much, which eventually these people are just going to leave. Right. So it's like right. you, if you don't have some sort of other, other business uh, ventures that you can kind of use with your success, I think it's really hard to run a profitable brokerage and a, or a profitable team in general. So yeah, from, from the team leader standpoint or from the brokerage standpoint, you're not doing spectacular. Yeah. But from a real estate standpoint, I mean, if you if it was spectacular, you wouldn't sell another house, right? You're right, and, and, and but but 
obviously you still sell houses. I have to sell houses because to, to make enough money to pay for the life that we have and pay for the team. Right, exactly. You know? And and so with whether it's a, a team brokerage or a franchise brokerage or, or a independent brokerage, there's there's a lot of cost and overhead that. Um, you know, the average person just doesn't see, but they don't care, right? Yeah. They, they just want to come in, sell and they, some houses and, they and make some money. Care. I get no. it. And, but uh, on the <clears throat> flip side, for me, uh, it, it's, I look at it as I'm buying time, right? Like I feel like Tell time, I feel like time is the, the most precious commodity we all have. And if I can um, maybe make a little bit less money um, running a team than I would on my own, I'm positive that I'm gaining more time. The fact that I can sit here and do a podcast with my dad, for example, is time that I wouldn't have if it was me by myself hoarding all my cash. And uh, yeah, we'd be wealthy, you know, very wealthy, but I would not maybe have as much time to be at things with the kids or with you guys or whatever. And to me, at this moment in my life, that's what I choose to go after. But yeah. there was a moment in time where I wanted all the money in the world and it didn't matter, right? Um, yeah, but, you know, you, you know, so... <clears throat> You know, you made a, you brought up a very important thing is, is you know, time management is is, is critical, mm -hmm. and and whether you're an agent that is out, just focusing on selling houses and working with buyers and working with sellers, you have to have really great time management skills, mm -hmm. and you have to have really great business plans, and you have to be really goal focused, and you have to just do what you need to do. Mm -hmm. When you start getting into being team leaders or you know, buying brokerages or starting real estate companies, you not only have to have great time management skills, but you also have to then focus on how do I sell more real estate? Mm -hmm. How do I build houses? You know, at one time <laughs> I think back and I go, how did I ever do this? You know, <clears throat> as you know, your mother and I, you know, we have, we got divorced in 1996. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, for a long time, you know, she was a single parent, obviously I was a single parent. But as a single parent, I still had to spend time with my family. Yep. I still had. You got to spend time with us. I got not to. Had yes. to. Yes. No. I, I got to. You're right. <laughs> There's probably some days you're like, oh, I have to spend well, time with them. Most of the time it was that way. But just no, take them to Circus Circus and just yeah. let them run. <clears throat> but, but I also still needed to make income. Yeah. And 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 at one time I was not only working and 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 raising kids, but I also was building houses. Mm -hmm. And then I started a title company. Well, then you also, I mean, we're probably trying to find another person to spend your life with, too. Like, well, you had that aspect of it, too, on top of everything. Then I, then I, then we started the real estate company. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, you're, you're, I, I think about this and I, I still <laughs> wonder how I did it, but, yeah. you know, building houses and working with customers and being available, you know, spending time with my family, which is very important to me. Yep. And, and then running a real estate company and, and, you know, owning a title company, all of those things are pretty overwhelming mm -hmm. and and but I successfully was able to do that you know every day for almost nine years and then you get to a point where it's like is this really the path I want to be on right. and is this really helping me get to my goal that I want to get to and like I said the most important reason why we started the franchise was we wanted to own the building so we'd have value at the end right and not have to sell forever <clears throat> right and know? so at the end of that nine years I was no further ahead 
than I was nine years going into that because we didn't own a building. We were renting, mm -hmm. and the lease space kept going up in cost. And as you know, Maple Grove, over a 10-year period of time, it exploded, oh, yeah. and costs continued to rise. I'd say it's probably a top three <clears throat> spot in the state. I mean, yeah. it's yeah, it's very and expensive. Then, and then the Internet. You know, in the in the late 90s, yeah, the Internet exploded. Yeah. And it's like, okay, now we have to bring technology yeah. into the system. And, and, and it probably didn't are, work great right away. In so, those early you know. days, you didn't have great Internet service. Equipment was extremely expensive. Repairs were extremely expensive. You had to get IT people on staff. And, and it just got to a point where it's like, eh, this just isn't any fun. Right. So then <clears throat> you kind of dissolved that. Like there, I know there's more to the story, but just to keep it, keep it going, you you moved on from that for lots of different reasons. It was I I look at that as very successful. I still remember going to that building when you owned it or when you were there, and uh, I mean changed a lot of lives. But it just wasn't working for you. And now and then when you went back to Edina Realty, did you come back in the management role right away, or did you come back as a realtor? So um, everything you do in life, obviously, is a journey, and, and it's a learning experience. And, and <clears throat> God, excuse me, I have a frog in my throat. I got um, you water over there. I know. I just had a sip, too. <laughs> um, so, yeah, after the nine years, I decided I didn't want any more to do with it. So my business partner bought me out, and I decided I just wanted to sell. And after about six months uh, in the same organization, I just felt like it wasn't where I wanted to be. Like I mentioned, technology had really came on strong. Mm -hmm. And when I looked at the technology that the company that I used to own that I now sold to my my business partner <clears throat> and his partner, um, they couldn't bring in the technology fast enough and they couldn't bring in the equipment fast enough because of the costs and, yeah. and, and how fast it was changing. And it wasn't, in my opinion, it wasn't the best place for my career. Yeah. when I was going to focus on selling. Just as a salesperson, you know. <clears throat> and so I started looking around. And, of course, I checked out all the real estate companies. Mm -hmm. I went to Coldwell Banker. I went to uh, the Remax offices. Was Keller a thing at that point yet? Nope, there was nope. no Keller Williams at that time. There was no Exit Realty. There was no EXP. There was no Compass. There was yeah. no Real. None of these companies. Yep. And so I checked around went to a lot of real estate companies. <clears throat> Coldwell Banker had a lot of great things to offer. Uh, and then I went back and talked to a manager over at Adana Realty that I knew and and when they showed me all of the things that they had that they could provide for me at no additional cost, to me it was a no-brainer. No-brainer, yeah. I'm going back there. Plus, I really felt comfortable there. Yeah. I knew a lot of people there. Um, I, I still think it's a, a premier uh, um, uh, company to work with. I think they, they, um, they care about their agents. Uh, it's really a family-oriented company, and that's what I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. so, I went back to Edina Realty to sell houses, and um, at the time, it was just to sell. And as I, as I was selling houses, um, I was approached by a couple of people that had asked if I would consider going back into management. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, like, because you were a man, you managed at Remax, so you had that experience a little right, bit, right? Right. And they were they were talking about an area that uh, they were going to be opening up and 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 uh, they were wondering if I would consider management. Anyways, I went and talked to the president of the company at the time and and told him that I wasn't extremely excited about it. I was kind of burnt out, but I wanted to know more. So once he shared more of the vision and um, it, so one of the things that 
to me was concerning was if I went into an existing office, mm -hmm. sometimes there's a culture there that maybe doesn't align with you mm -hmm. and you have to change that culture. Or, or sometimes it's, you know, it, I don't know how to describe it, but so to me, I was thinking, do I really want to fight all these different battles, and do I really want to go through, you know, trying to change or or adjust or or, or make it the way I want it to be? Yeah, because I'm pretty particular. <laughs> That's and, one way to put it. And um, <laughs> me too. And so he said, well, in fact, we have a brand new location that we're going to opening, and we we're wondering if you'd like to be part of that. And at that time, I was pretty excited, and I asked, sure, where? And I lived on the west side of town at that time, so mm -hmm. and that's where I worked. And uh, he told me they were opening, opening an, a location in Blaine. And I thought, wow, that could be exciting. Mm -hmm. You know, brand new you know, area. It's a huge growing community, like I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Brooklyn Park was a huge growing community. Now Blaine is this huge growing community. Maple Grove was. Yep. So I've been really fortunate to be part of these huge yeah. communities that are just exploding. Yeah. And I knew a lot about construction. <clears throat> anyway, so I got more information, and um, I said, yep, I'd love to do it. And so when I transferred from sales back into management, uh, I came on as a co-manager with a, a great great lady. Her name was Vicki, and uh, she was the manager of the North Suburban office yep. at the time. They called it the Shoreview office and, um, and the New Brighton office. And so I kind of helped her out and co-managed New Brighton and, and Shoreview, but primarily spent my time in New Brighton. Mm -hmm. And we eventually determined we were going to close New Brighton and move to blame those agents as well as then, you know, recruit other agents. Mm -hmm. So we built this building and, uh, in 2005, and, um, and uh, it, was, uh, it was exciting. You know, there was talk about the Vikings moving to Blaine. Mm -hmm. There was, uh, like I said, all this growth going on. We built a, a big building there. Uh, I think it was 24,000 square feet. Uh, anticipating for the growth mm -hmm. and <clears throat> you know what happened in 2006 <laughs> yep there's a little bit of a hiccup <laughs> so 2006 and, and and 2005 we opened up and and we were bringing agents in and we were we were filling space and and 2006 came and 2007 came and and our market really shifted mm -hmm. and um it was it was tough so we were in you know in a in a tough tough situation we had to make a lot of adjustments uh, we reduced space as fast as we couldn't sublet space out um, we still brought in you know a number of agents um, so was that whole building meant to be at one point in time a realty at, office no at one point in time three-fourths of it was okay and then because uh, we had our title company upstairs uh, that was occupying about 3,000 square feet and then the rest was being subletted. Okay, I was thinking the current office, but yeah, the one down by the Holiday Gas Station. Correct. That one, okay. Correct. The yep. one off of um, Radisson Road yep. and 109th. Okay. So anyways, we, sur we survived all that. We downsized, we brought everything down into one floor. We actually gave up and sublet some more space. I mean, we, we were in survival mode mm -hmm. in terms of, we, we knew, we, you know, Dana Realty wasn't going anywhere, but we, we didn't want to have these out, huge, enormous costs going out um, that didn't make any sense until mm -hmm. the market shifted. Right. And luckily for us, you know, in 2008, we started seeing a shift and we had made the right adjustments. I had a great, I had a great regional manager who, uh, I've had a number of great regional managers, but I had a great regional manager that was very smart with uh, commercial real estate 
and uh, he had owned a number of commercial Terry? properties. Yep, Terry McDonough. Yep. And he uh, he helped us uh, get through that, you know, by the reducing the space and 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 making the adjustments as quick as we could, mm-hmm. um, and subletting space, and then you know then we were fine. Um, and we grew, you know, we grew, uh, we grew well over there. We had uh, a great uh, base of agents, and um, then you know when the market shifted, things really went well. And then in 2000, and I think we were there 10 years. In 2015, we relocated to the the building that Edina is currently in in Blaine, off of 109th and um, um, Clubhouse Parkway. Clubhouse Parkway, yeah. Yeah, and fast forward to um, where you're at today. Um, you know, now you're managing the uh, North Oaks office at Edina Realty, right? Correct. Yeah, I moved from Blaine uh, about four years ago now to uh, North yep. Oaks. You got a promotion. You know, go, go play with the big dogs where the sale price is a little higher than Blaine, where I was at. Um, but, yeah, so for, during that time. Kind of like the Cheers episode. I got a promotion to a bigger office with no more money. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Here's more space to deal with. Um, but, yeah, and also just during that time, I mean, so I got in the industry in 2013, I believe, and uh, I got my license back in when I was 18, though. Yeah, you and got license in 2005 like or, five, or five, six, yeah. yeah. But my dad told me, uh, why don't you come get your license? I was like, eh, why? He's like, well, you make more money selling one house than you would the whole summer at Dairy Queen. I was like, all right. So I did that. I actually did. Sold, I sold, sold one house. I think you sold one every year while you were in college, at least one. Yeah, that's probably true. But that first <laughs> one, it was like 100 showings to Jimmy and Allie Quintana. <laughs> They're still in the house today. I still reach out once a year and just check in. They love it. Um, so it's kind of fun. But, uh, but yeah, so my dad was my manager for, gosh, I don't know, eight years, seven years, something like that. And uh, the... <laughs> The dynamic of that um, for me and him was great, but I think on the outside looking in is is a, a whole other podcast of just. Haven't I been your manager for how old are you? Well, okay, from eighteen, but I wasn't full time then. Aren't I'm saying 30, thirty-seven in a couple days. By the way, you have a birthday you gift. Thirty-seven years. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> but my actual real estate manager for like seven, eight years. But um, yeah, interesting dynamic. Uh, I wish every day we could go back to that time. I, I actually do wish that you would have been selling houses when I got in the industry because it had been fun to, like, see you kind of do having to do the same stuff I had to do at that time. That was a great assumptive closer. I, I know you were. The Columbo effect. That was a Columbo close. And the lockbox close. You taught me that one. Yep. Um, I still teach that one to my, my uh, team members. But, yeah, it would have been fun. I, I do wish maybe I would have got in sooner, but... I was too young, so I couldn't couldn't do it when you were selling. But, but so anyways, so that's thirty eight minutes of my dad's work history. Oh gosh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. But let's move on to some more questions. Thirty eight minutes for thirty eight years. There we go. Perfect. Every year for every minute. But so I mean, you've done a lot, and and I guess the only other thing I'll say is Addy Diner Realty. I think now are you the longest tenured manager, currently, or one of them? You're up one there. Of them. And you just, you recently won their top award a couple years back, the Emmy Award for upholding all the core values of Edina Realty. And Yeah, it was a great award. It was a great honor. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be uh, nominated and, and won it. So. It's safe to say you've done some things. You've done some great things in real estate. But moving on to specific questions that a lot of people have that we want to know. So um, we talked about that one. So going just going back, like to give... I kind of want to ask this question to give tips to any salespeople out there that are listening right now. So the question I wrote was talk about building a business on referrals and relationships. 
So like, obviously this is something that you started as a paper boy, right? Like you had to go, you had to build these relationships. It's something that you're really good at. I've seen you work a room time and time again. You're one of the best at it. Um, like what is, if you could, if you could whittle it down to like one or two really important things that you feel you do maybe better than most when it comes to building those relationships and earning a business, like what would you say it is? Like, how do you do it? Well, I think, you know, we've all heard the expression that, you know, to get business, you have to get people to know you, get people to like you, and get people to trust you. Mm -hmm. And the trust isn't necessarily, you know, uh, coming from your, your point of whether you're a good person or not, your character. It comes from do they trust you with the largest investment that most of them are going to make? Mm -hmm. Do you have enough knowledge to help them with this real estate transaction? But when it comes to referrals and building a business, you know, so much of that, you know, there's so many things, right? I mean, it's just, you can't talk about it I know. in 10 minutes, five minutes, uh, an hour, you know, it could be weeks. But like when you're in a room, <clears throat> yeah, okay, like you go yeah. back to your well early 90s, right? You're trying to earn business. Like, are you intentionally, before you go into that room, are you thinking certain things of like, all right, I got to make sure I talk to these people or is it you're just like you're just so good that when you're in the room everybody's going to know who you are by the time you leave? Like do you have to plan any of that stuff out or are you is it just you? You just radiate. You know, like, I guess it depends. If it's if it's people that I know, no. If it's people that I don't know, I try to figure out who some of the key players are. But no, I don't go in with any intentions uh, uh, of trying to to, to get business. Yeah. I go in with the intention of getting to know people. Right. And I think your whole business has to be built on, you know, people who want to do business with you because they know you. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, it, you have to be able to carry on conversations. Right. So if, you, if you're a person that I've always said, if you're a person that is um, an introvert, you're probably not going to do really, really well in this business. Mm -hmm. It's really difficult for you because you don't put yourself out there enough. If you're an extrovert and social, social ability, I guess if that's a word, yeah. is probably the key to this business, right? The more things you get involved in, the more places you go. I always tell agents, you got to show up. If you get invited to a party, if you get invited to a graduation, if you get invited to a wedding, if you get invited to whatever it is, you have to show up even if it's just for five minutes yep. and you got to be there because if you don't show up, people don't think you care and people got to know. Or they just forget about you. Or they, Exactly. They'll and forget about you they, very quickly. You can't have people forget about you in this industry, unfortunately. I think people look at real estate as like kind of like this vain, egotistical uh, market and, and industry sometimes. It's like, no, it's just like we have to be known because there's, yeah. there's no other way to do it. I'm not going to, yeah. there's no infomercials anymore. There's none of this other stuff. It's like, yeah, you, you have to wear your branding. I mean, you have mm -hmm. to you have to wear your name. I I'm mean, not wearing mine today. Yeah, whether you're you know whether it's your company logo or whether it's your 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 team logo or whether it's your your name or a name tag, you know people people don't want to forget your name. Yeah. But they don't always remember your name. They right. know you. They'll recognize your face and they'll go, "I know you. I know you." Mm -hmm. But who are you? And if they can see that you have, yep. it'll click something and they'll remember. That's that's really a, probably a good thing because you don't want people to feel embarrassed right yeah. and so sometimes I'll go into a room and and I and I won't remember who somebody is and I'll walk up to the person I know and I'll introduce myself you know or I'll just say hey it's, you know John it's good to see you again and uh, John might say hey do you know Tyler because yep. he knows that I can't remember Tyler's I name I do that with Ashley my <clears throat> wife all right. the time she knows if I go up to somebody and say hey this is my wife Ashley 
I don't remember their name. Right. And she needs to then be like, hey, I'm Ashley, what's your name? Yeah. You know, but she's not done that a few times. I'm like, <laughs> uh, hey, buddy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's those, those little sales, not, I don't want to say tricks, but it's just the things that you need to do as you uh, right. grow into a salesperson. Like, you're not going to remember everybody's name, but you got to have a plan. Right. You know, and you know, some people, they always, you know, they'll, they'll say things like, well, I don't have to talk about, you know, what do I talk about with these people? And, 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 and we teach and I, and I try to, you know, teach that as some of my agent development training, even experience agent training is, you know, always just remember acronyms, you know, mm -hmm. acronyms, a lot of people get through school by remembering acronyms when mm -hmm. it comes to testing and stuff. And the, 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 probably the best acronym you can remember when you're, working a room so to speak is forward, forward. right yeah mm -hmm. i mean friend you know talk about your your family talk about your friends talk about occupation talk about recreation talk about their dreams vacation plans stuff like that yep. if you can talk about different things i mean you get someone talking about their family they'll talk all day long yeah you ask somebody about their career or their business like i just did they'll talk for 38 minutes <laughs> you never have to bring up anything yeah, else i know and like and it, it's not a bad thing but people like talk about themselves you know what i mean right. and it's just um, and you want them to talk about themselves, not so much you. Right. Because everyone's going to ask you when they know you're in real estate, they're going to ask you about real estate. And again, if you're not prepared to answer that question, you know, if you don't have your what we call elevator speech, you know, practice, you know, mm -hmm. you need to have that one or two minute infomercial just practiced and polished and ready to go when somebody asks you a question about real estate, you know, you're going to flounder and go, uh, it's great. And that'll be the end of the conversation. Yeah. And I will say that all this is like super helpful, but I think the biggest underlying factor is if you don't actually care, if you don't actually embody that, like right. if you're the introvert, if you're, right. I just need to get paid, you know, like, right. and you're, yeah, you're, for, and you're forwarding somebody, let's say, or you're, you're trying to connect, you're trying to get them to know you like you and trust you. It's just not going to work. Like, so if you don't care. Yeah, if you're just rapid firing questions, they're well, going to be like. Well, if you're like faking it, right. like people can tell, right. you know what I mean? And right. so I think, I truly think that's why some agents don't have as much success as like, it's not that they, they're a bad person. They just don't have the passion for right. it like they need to in order to be successful. Right. But you brought up a thing really quick and quick segue. This is an on the spot question for you. What's your Ford, or I'm sorry, what is your elevator pitch right now if I say, Hey, Kevin Miller, how's the real estate market? What is it? Oh, gosh. Do I get the belt if I come up with a Yeah, answer? I'll give you the belt. Okay, I've seen your belt that you have for when we do it. <laughs> um, I have different ones, but most today, of the time... Today, if somebody yeah, asked you. Well, I'd probably start out today by saying, well, Tyler, what part of real estate are you interested in? Are you interested in, you know, are you talking about investment real estate? Are you mm -hmm. talking about residential real estate? Are you talking about new construction? You know, talking about vacation homes, talking about Airbnbs, you know. It's like it's like watching Picasso paint when you <laughs> when you when you hit me with that elevator pitch. <laughs> I won't make you say the whole thing, but that is the absolute right answer and you taught me that. Um, okay. So those are just a couple tips uh, for relationship and referral uh, business. Uh, when it comes to your business, what are you what would you identify as the most passionate thing? Like what is the most passionate um, what are you most passionate about when it comes to your business? Um, you know, I think, I think, um, I think passion when you're in the side of the, the real estate business that I'm on the side of right now, which that, is managing right, people, managing and training, recruiting, and, retaining and, recruiting and retaining, you know, I think that passion comes from, um, you know, helping people, you know, really become 
successful or more successful. Yeah, change their lives. Yeah, if, if yeah, I mean, if they're new, you know, you want to help them succeed. If they're experienced, you want to have them have more success. And so when they have wins or they have sales, and and I know I've played a small part in that. That's what gives fills me you up, right? Yeah. That's what you know. It fills the tank, right? Yeah. There's lots of things that drain the tank. Oh yeah. You know, it's like they say in a marriage. You know, if you, every time you do something nice, you know, put a penny in the jar, and every time you know things aren't going so well, take some pennies out. Yeah. Hopefully you have more in the jar at the end of the day than you do. So, right. But, but you know, passion in 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 real estate. That's where you know right now. That's where my passion comes from. Yeah. Just uh, helping people change their lives and uh, like the little wins, right? Right. Because that's. In sales, if you don't get those little wins, it's uh, it's yeah. hard. It's a lonely business. It's it's yeah. rough. You know? Yeah, as a team leader, you you understand that. And and you know, not everybody has someone they can go home and talk to. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has someone that well wants to listen. Not everybody has someone that understands sales enough that can encourage more business. And you know, if you don't have a, a good manager uh, or a good team partner, or if you don't have a good coach. You know, this is a really tough business because every day, you know, it feels like you're being beat up mm-hmm. and every day you don't sell a house and every day that you don't do something, you know, sometimes you walk, you go home and, and, and the person at home's going, well, did you sell anything today? Yeah. Did you make any you money know? yet? Yeah. Did you, you've been you know? gone for three months <laughs> and I haven't made a, I haven't seen a paycheck. You haven't been home for, you know, two weeks. You haven't been home for Well, do you months. remember, you probably remember this when I first got in the industry, you made or you suggested that I put together a contract for Ashley. Right. And had her sign it. And I know right. you've done this with other agents, I'm right. sure. Any agents, yeah. Like, but hey, I need you to sign this saying you're going to support me and you're not going to, you know, nag me, make me feel bad if we haven't got a check in a few months because if without the spouses or someone's support, this is almost an impossible industry. Like, because yeah. they don't, they don't get it and you don't really want them to get it because it's, it's, it's hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And um, I think, and I think you're, you know, the, the contract, you know, that, that piece of paper, what I think it does is it helps define, you know, the roles of, of, of what you're going to do and, and the support that they can have for you, you and your family. And how much other, it means to you. Yeah. And the other thing that really helps, I think, is, is, is goal planning. And when I would sit down at the beginning of the year and I would look at, or not the beginning of the year, but in November, when I would start putting my goals together for the next year, our goals would be based on, you know, how much production I wanted to do, how much money I wanted to earn. Then I would break them down, obviously, how am I going to get there? And then for each level, let's just say it was a half a million dollar level. So mm-hmm. at half a million, at one million, at a million and a half, at two million, at two and a half million, each level there was rewards. And when I would sit down and do the goal planning, a lot of times I would have those rewards. I would have conversations with you as the kids, or I'd have conversations with my significant other or my spouse, and that's how our rewards would be set up. And then as we accomplished those goals, we'd celebrate together. And I would post them in the house where people could see them as well as I could see them so that if I was out late working, they could look at the goal and go, oh, that's right. We want to go to Disney World He's tomorrow. He's working to get us to Disney World. Right. The kids, I did, I did the same thing, obviously. Uh, right. you, you taught me that. And, yeah, it helped a lot. The kids still remember that type of stuff. You know, Right, because then they're not saying, where's dad? Why isn't dad here? Yeah. Or, you know, where's mom? Why isn't mom here? You know, they, they know that if you're not there, it's because you're trying to help get to that next level mm-hmm. to reward, to get a reward that you and them can share in. So in work and in your business, your passion is little wins, helping people change their lives. What about in your personal life? What, what, what's, what's your big passion? 
<laughs> you know, I, I, I had to write that one down. I had to think about that one because what I was thinking was, you know, your your um, your passions change, right? Mm-hmm. And and they and when you're younger, your passions are so much different than when you get to be the age I'm at today mm-hmm. and the career I've had. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you know they evolve. Um, um, it seems like when you're younger, um, you, you you worry more about things that um, maybe aren't as important as you think they are. And we don't know. We think it's going to be monumental, right? right. Like, right. you know, if I screw this up, it's going to be a huge problem. Right. But my passions today are more about, um, you know, um, you know, being healthy, being financially sound as I as I consider in the next five to ten years retirement and 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 from from managing but uh, focusing more on just selling again yeah um you know i, I mean I, I love what i do i mean i would do it forever except that i think that people it's it's when you're younger it's easier to adapt with all the things that change in our business and in our industry and you know technology we also don't have a choice by the way right because right. we're not we can't retire yet right you know what i mean right. like you right. don't have a choice you have right. to adapt right and, if you and, had the choice i don't know if i'd want to adapt to some of the stuff like you know what i mean yeah and, i and, would delete a lot of social media accounts tomorrow if i didn't need it for my business yeah i look forward to that day yeah um for myself but mm-hmm. um so yeah as you're as you're as you're as you're doing this business a long time and you're you're always changing and adapting and changing and adapting and changing and adapting um you get to a point where it's like, I just don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. You know, I don't want to keep learning this and I don't want to keep, but, but if I'm going to stay in the position I'm in, you have to, mm-hmm. because my obligation is to make sure that I make anybody that I'm talking to better. Yep. And if I'm not up to speed and that's why I still sell a couple houses a year, you know, three or four or five or 10, whatever <laughs> it might be, but no, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But I sell because I need to be able to still relate yeah. to agents as to what they go through every day. Yep. Cause if I don't know what they're going through and I don't see the, the strain that they go through. If I don't know what it feels like, it's like I tell agents, you know, every once in a while, you got to sell your house and move because mm-hmm. you got to remember what your clients go through every single transaction. You don't remember that, you know, you don't yeah. realize how stressful that is yeah. unless you've done it a couple of times. Yep. And I think uh, it's important to have a leader that's in the trenches with you though, because right. they can relate. Right. There's lots of team leaders that don't sell houses anymore. And, and it's just like, that's great. I'm happy for them. But as a team member, it's like, you know, it's a little like, oh, I wish I had somebody that could like actually relate versus giving me info from like three, four years ago. You know what I mean? Well, and I don't want any, I don't want ever, I don't ever want anyone to look at me and go, well, those who teach can't sell. Right. Right. I mean, that, so the, the persona is if you're, if you're a teacher, if you're a, if you're a, a leader, you, you can't sell. Yeah. That's not the case with me. The case is I can sell, but I don't want to sell. Right. I want to help you. Well, you've also, you <clears throat> quote unquote been to the mountaintop you've seen it you've, <laughs> you've done it you've accomplished it it's not like uh you there's you, always more to do right right but, but you've had very good success as a salesperson you don't have anything left to prove in that department in my opinion and and you know that you can you can uh maybe not be quite as stressed even though i know like phone calls from agents uh when i'm at your house for barbecues <laughs> are stressful um but you know you you know where your money's coming from and, right and that is a big stressor for a lot of us salespersons. we don't always know where the next check's coming from so right. sounds like in life your passion is health wellness simplify yeah i mean you know right now like i said you know um i'm just trying to focus on yeah that would be my passion right now is 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 staying healthy mm-hmm. that's why i try to work out you know at least four to five times a week mm-hmm. um <clears throat> financially i'm i'm I've done very well in that part. Um, 
like I said, the, the main reason to get in this business besides selling is to own investment properties, and I own a number of those that, mm -hmm. if, <clears throat> that if people don't have them, there's nothing better than knowing when you go to sleep at night, when you wake up the next morning, you always have money coming right. in. And when you have wake-up money coming in, it makes this job so much easier to do. Well, it's more enjoyable when you can kind of, I don't want to say work for fun, because I think we all have goals and aspirations, but to know that if you didn't work that day, like, your life's going to be just fine. Right. You know what I mean? That's exactly right. Um, okay. And, so, of course, my family's always a passion of mine. I'm yeah, that's like the last thing, though. Yeah, they're, they're way <laughs> down on the list. Well, yeah, especially your son. <clears throat> yeah, he's way down there. Um so I mentioned at the very beginning, like one of the reasons that I look at you as the obvious choice in my life is uh, when I think about like work ethic, right? I feel like you have a very strong work ethic. And so I wrote, where do you get the work ethic from? Like, and, and a, kind of a combo in that is like, so we talked about your passion in life and in business, but like, I think that's different in my opinion from your why. And like, you know, when you, when you're like, tired and you're just like okay I don't want to deal with this agent again or I don't want to deal with this situation but you continuously show up time and time again because you have a very strong work ethic like where is that coming from did it was it something early on in life that you were taught or told or is it just kind of came from a bunch of things over the years well yes <laughs> it comes from a lot of things yeah um but, you know, like I mentioned early on, you know, when you start out at a younger age, not, all right, so <clears throat> going back, you know, a little bit again, uh, I come from a large family, I have six siblings. Um, we never had tons of, of, of money. My parents, my mom never worked until we were older. My dad worked every day, but never made a lot of money. But I never felt like my dad was not around, right? Mm -hmm. And, and, but, you know, we had clothes on our back. We had, um, you know, plenty of food on the table. Mm -hmm. even though there were six of us mm -hmm. fighting over it, and, and then <laughs> our parents. You know, if you were at the end of the table, you might not have got a lot, yeah. but you got something. Just <laughs> kidding. <clears throat> but I never felt like we were poor, but we were poor. And and um, and if we wanted stuff, you know, for example, um, if we wanted to buy a new bicycle, or mm -hmm. if we wanted um, to have things that just weren't, you know. Weren't a necessity. Yeah, I mean, you had to buy them yourself. Mm -hmm. Well, and if you didn't have any money, you couldn't buy anything because they weren't giving us money because they didn't have any extra money. And so early on, I learned that, you know, that's why I got a paper out. That's why I got I bagged groceries for years. I, you know, had different jobs. I've always had something since the time I was 11 or 12 mm -hmm. to always have extra money. So I was always able to buy the things that my other brothers and sisters who didn't work couldn't get mm -hmm. or other people I knew couldn't get because they didn't work yeah. and their parents didn't have the money to give them either. So I would always have things like maybe nicer Nike tennis shoes or I might have nicer cord, you know, Levi cords at mm -hmm. the time, you know, mm -hmm. when I was in school or maybe I had a nicer car because I could buy a little bit more expensive car than, than someone. But none of that stuff was ever given to me. It was always I had to earn it. Yeah. And I think that's... That's where my work ethic came from yeah. because I never had to do it. I wouldn't have had to do it, but I did it because it it meant something to me. It's, yeah. it's what I wanted. And, and and you know, I think, you know, getting up, one of the things that I learned really early in this business was if I don't get up and get to the office and, and, and dress for the part and, and, and focus on real estate every day, you're not going to succeed. I've seen so many people would come and go, and I would kept questioning why 
they weren't coming into the office. And why, when they came in, they were in their flip-flops and their ripped-up shorts and stuff. And it's like, you're not really dressed professional. And they, they would say things like, oh, but I'm not meeting any clients today. And I would look at them and I'd go, well, what about the other 80 agents in our office that are going to be meeting with a client today? You want them to see you looking like that? And they're mm -hmm. like, what, what kind of a presentation is that? Yeah. So, you know, I think your work ethic comes from getting up every morning and treating this like a job. Right, so if you were working a normal job, what mm -hmm. time do you got to be to work by? Usually by eight o'clock. Mm -hmm. And what time do you have to work till? Usually till five or six. Mm -hmm. And you get a little bit of a break here, and you get a little bit of a break there. You know, I know some of that's changed today because some people work from home and they yeah. don't have to get out of their pajamas. But yeah. but so if but they're also not meeting <clears throat> people. Right. If you're in, if you're in this business, and whether you have an appointment or not, if you're not focused on this business every day. Because it's your job. Yeah. You're not going to make money in this business. Yeah. But if you can come in here and treat it like a job and 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 and, and that and, and really focus on what you need to do every day, um, you know, you're going to have great success. Mm -hmm. And what I saw and where my work ethic really came from was when I worked in this unionized machine shop. And I have nothing against unions. I love unions. My father was a union organizer for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And I sat on picket lines and we've had baseball bats, you know, thrown at us and cans and stuff like that. The fact of the matter is, is if you don't, you know, have a focus and if you don't, uh, I don't know how to, how to describe it, but it, 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 it just really comes from, you know, paying attention to where you want to go and what you want to do and how you're going to get there. Mm -hmm. And, and some jobs, you don't have that opportunity. And I found out really quickly that if I don't have the opportunity to, to go on and do what I want to do. You know, if, if I can't advance ahead of somebody because I don't have seniority, even though I'm working four times harder and the bosses know it, but they're not going to recognize it because I'm not part of the seniority pool, mm -hmm. or if they're not going to give me a raise because I haven't worked there long enough, mm -hmm. you know, to get a raise, you know, that's not what I want to do. And so my work ethic taught me that I can work harder than most people. I can work as hard for sure as most people. Mm -hmm. But if, if I'm working harder or if I want to work hard, I should be rewarded for my efforts. Yeah. And so that's where my work ethic has always came from. And I, and I, and growing up, you know, I have, you know, siblings that work harder than others and some that work not as hard as others and their lives and where they are in their lives is solely determined by that. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the things they have or the things they don't have. And it's not about necessarily having or don't having, but it's like, if my passion is, or my goal is I want I, sorry, I just oh, hit your cord. Sorry. My hands, you were telling about, talking about. <laughs> you were talking with your hands. <laughs> but if, if, if my passion is I want to accomplish this or I want to do this or I want to get to the here, that determines your work ethic. Right. Because if you have no goals, if you have no uh, interest in getting and in, in accomplishing anything, then you don't have to have a work ethic. Right. My well, work. it's I, I, did, I, uh, I knew some of that, but I think knowing that, like, in order to get anything when you were a kid, you had to kind of work for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, like that's Whether it was to me where or... it came, where your work ethic had to have come from. Because oh yeah. My parents, they, 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 you didn't have a choice and it became ingrained in you. So, I mean, that's, I think as a parent, you're always like, Oh, I wish I you know, could give more to my kids. But I also think that that's uh, a great quality to give your child. Like, Hey, go and go and make something for yourself too. Yeah. I mean, it's on my, you know, part of my, you know, list here is you know I think um, you know as a parent you want your kids to not have to suffer or work as hard maybe as you did 
And so you, you think you're doing them a favor by, by giving them this or giving them that. And I, and I disagree with that. I think, I think that, <clears throat> yes, there are some things that you can do for them that, that, you know, um, are fun to, to do, but like giving the, them money to go to Abercrombie and Fitch every school year. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, but the, I think the, um, but I think the, the, the hard part is if you continually, you know, give everything to your kids and, and you make things really easy for them, num- there's a lot of things. Number one, they don't respect the value of money. Mm-hmm. They don't respect what it, what it takes to get it and, 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 and what it takes to keep it. And I think that's one of the reasons why we have, um, you know, people today that have so much credit card debt. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that's one of the reasons why people have so much debt in general. I think it's, you know, I think it's it's all about the I gotta have, I gotta have, I gotta have. Well, instead and of nowadays, you can get it now. Yeah, you well, know what I mean, like, and, and instead of saving for it and and planning for it and then buying it when you have the money, people have to have it now, like yeah. you said. And and I think that's a real challenge in our society. Um, and I think that's a, a failure on 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 us as parents because. We have given so many things to our kids because we felt like we needed to do that to make maybe make us get over what I call Catholic guilt, you know, of how we were raised, mm-hmm. right? And and but but I don't think you I don't think you help them, and 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 it's evident because there's so many people that just want everybody to do something for them, yeah, versus doing it on their own, and and uh, I just it's it's a it's a it's a slippery slope, of course. But I think your kids are better off if they learn the value of money. They learn what it takes to earn it. They learn what it takes to save it so that they can buy the things they want to buy. Um, you know, like I wanted to buy a mini bike when I was younger. So I was, I think I was 14 years old and I wanted to buy a mini bike. My dad's like, okay, but you got to get the money. So, of course, as soon as I got the money, he let me go out and bought this mini bike. It was the greatest thing in the world, right? Until it broke, and then it didn't work anymore, and I didn't have any money to fix it, and I had to go <laughs> earn some money to fix it. But it was, but it was, he wasn't just going to go get it for me, yeah. right? It's like, you know, kid today. Well, I want Legos. So what do parents do? They run out and they buy a box of seventy dollars Legos mm-hmm. to give their kids to put together, versus saying, okay, well, how are we going to get these Legos? You know, let's put together a plan. Right. You know, what do you want to do? You know, I think you did that with Jameson. You know, it's like if you cut the grass, you know, I'll give you five bucks every time you cut the grass or whatever it was, and after you get yeah, we money. give him some money for chores and stuff, yeah. or even at like our party. Right. He was like waitering well, i want it like he came up with that on his own he's like i just want to i want to bring people their drinks yeah and i'm like well you know you'll probably get some tips for that he's like i don't think they'll give me tips you think they will and then our one friend gave him like 25 bucks for well, <laughs> bringing him sure. a white claw and he was like oh my god like just just those little moments i think will resonate with them where oh, it's yeah. like i shared the story with him when uh, you came and bartended for us yeah. at one of our office parties you yep. know when you were in college and you got a couple hundred dollars in tips. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. Yeah. It was, yeah, it's, uh, I think th- it's funny. Me and my, Ashley were just talking about this this morning. Like, there was a situation with the bus stop uh, where all of her friends are at this one bus stop. And we went there the first day for the first, like, opening school day. It was fun. Parents had mimosas, like, whatever. It was fun. And then the second day, I was like, we want, I want to bring them to their bus stop which is only three blocks from our house because i just need them to know hey if they get off on that stop how to get to our house maybe one day they'll walk to the stop whatever it was just like this is our stop i want you to go there at least one time let's meet some people there and of course ariana was sad she wanted to go with her to the other stop with all the girlfriends or whatever and i just yeah as a parent i think you want to make your daughter feel better in that moment 
and be like, well, yeah, let's just go do that because who cares, right? But for me, I'm like, no, this will, we, we're going to do this because you can do hard things and it's really not a big deal. And it's good to meet new people and mm-hmm. put yourself in those challenging situations. And I think that is the really important role of a parent is like, right. don't just always give that, make them happy. Like sometimes they, they, they should not be happy. Like it's okay. They need to learn because they're not going to be happy every day when they're an adult. That's not going to happen. I was sad as a kid. I mean, I remember, I still remember sometimes being up in my room crying, you know, because I got in trouble because I did something I yeah. wasn't supposed to do and I got grounded or whatever it was. We're not supposed to be their best friends. That's, well, you know what I mean? their parents. We got to be their parents. So, um, so. Get to be friends with them when you get older. Right. If you're lucky. Except in this situation, you don't really like me that much, but that's okay. <laughs> Just kidding. No comment. Yeah. <laughs> um, you come from a family, you mentioned of six brothers and sisters, um, like, is there anything else you want to touch on with that that's, like, kind of turned you into the person you are today? Like, I mean, you thought you talked about how you saw, because your oldest brother is how much older than you? Um, <clears throat> He's he, eight years older than you? He almost nine years older. And then your youngest? My youngest sibling is uh, almost ten years younger. Yeah, so, I mean, you got to see, like, you got to see your kind of older brothers. I'm right in the middle, so. Get, three get jobs, like get into relationships like you got to kind of learn from them and then you also got to watch maybe your younger siblings do things that you didn't agree with or 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 do better than you like is there anything that else that sticks out other than fighting for food at the dinner table um well when you have a family of six uh, um, um, six boys and, and one girl mm-hmm. right seven kids um you're very competitive. You know, my, my, my sister is the youngest in the family, so we always say she was spoiled. But, <laughs> um, and you know, but when you're, when you're in the middle, you have three older siblings and you have three younger siblings. The older siblings, you know, you're kind of, you know, you're looking at them and you're trying to figure out um, are those, are, are, are they the ones, you know, because you, you know, you love all my brothers and sisters, right? I mm-hmm. love them all. But, you know, they all do different things, right? They all, you know, I have one brother that was a teacher for many, many years, yeah, educator. They're, they're all very different. Yep. And I have another brother who is a, um, he, he was a um, uh, uh, alcohol and drug counselor for many, many years. And I have another brother who's got his own business uh, as well as I do. And I have, uh, you know, another brother who uh, works uh, in a union and um, another one who works in a big, big construction company. And, and then um, I have a sister who's uh, in, the, in, the, in the medical field. So, but growing up, they all had different passions. They all had different things. But we were very competitive, right? We yeah. were all in the sports. We were all in a different thing. So I think a lot of what I'll say about my brothers and sisters that helped me was more than anything was the competitiveness. Just pushing you. Yeah. And being in the middle, you know, was fun because, you know, I had three older ones that always would, I would try to, you know, uh, emulate to, I try to be as good as them. And I wasn't always as good as them because they were bigger, stronger. Mm-hmm. And then I had the three younger ones, which, you know, I was usually a little bit bigger and stronger yeah. then. You could get a few small wins. Yeah. And, and, but I had my closest brother to my age is, is, is Don and we were the most competitive and we would, you know, like brothers do get in many, you know, uh, <laughs> fights, uh, but, but, you know, loving, caring fights. Um, but you know, just, he would drive me to be better and I hopefully would drive him to be better in all, in all things. Right. And until you get to a certain age and then it's just kind of your friends take over and, and then you, you know, just hang out with your friends. So I wrote down stuff. this question. It's in the, it's in the lightning <clears throat> round section, ah, but I'll ask it now. 
Uh, and actually, I think McCall sent this one. Mm, I got to right. double check. Yeah. Hopefully it's not in legal form. No, it's not. Um, she said, who's a better softball pitcher, you or your brother Donnie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Here's the competitiveness. Well, you know, I think Don would say that he's a better pitcher, but he's not. He's not even close. He has longevity on you. He has longevity, but not because he's good. Because <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know when to quit. <laughs> he just doesn't know when to quit, right. You know, and, and, and he doesn't have to worry about, you know, necessarily getting up and going to work tomorrow, right? Yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Has he ever done the between the legs pitch like you? I don't think he. I think he's tried, but I, he, again, he can't. You know, again, when it comes to you know pitching and 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 style and 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 uh, accuracy and all that stuff. I mean, that's why I've won the bag, bag beanbag tournament so many <laughs> times. Is you know, I just have better accuracy. And yeah. although he might have, he might be able, he, when he was a pitcher in baseball, um, he could have. He had a better curveball or a better knuckleball or a better sl- better slider, right? Mm-hmm. But he he can't throw softball the same way. So. <laughs> <laughs> the debate has been settled. Um, okay, let's see here. Really quick, touch on um, just give me like maybe one or two things that you've learned over the years for advice to people for a happy marriage <laughs> slash relationships. So you've been through obviously some ups and downs and all sorts of stuff with uh, relationships over the years. What's your uh, what's your wisdom, oh wise one, to all of us youngins trying to figure figure out this thing still? Um, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, relationships are, you know, I don't want to say this the wrong way, but they're work, mm-hmm. right? And, and it, 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 as fun as they are and as exciting as they are and, and as great as they are and, and things like that, but relationships always take work. It's, it's no different than a job, right? And, and, you know, the simple answer is, you know, if you're a man, happy wife, and you're married to a woman, happy wife, happy life. Right? Yep. You know, that's uh, one of those things you hear all the time. But but it's a, it's kind of a two-way street as well, right? Because you can't just always be doing stuff just to make your spouse happy. What about happy spouse, happy house? Yeah, well, I love that, that one. That's even better, right? Because yeah. it could be, it's both it could be anything, yeah. But I think, um, I think you have to – I think I guess the only advice I would say is um, – know it's not going to be perfect every day and you have to work at it yeah well yeah but i think you have to really show people that you care right i mean you're 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 the person that's significant in your life um that you're with you have to show them how much you care right it just can't be it just can't be um you know as you're walking out the door giving them a quick peck on the cheek saying you love them and it just can't be uh you know a phone call that uh, you're talking about stressful things and at the very end you say you know i love you you have to show that right you have to you have to, you know, do uh, the things um, and 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 show that person that you care about them. Mm-hmm. You, it just can't be words, right? And that's a hard thing. Yeah. But um, so for you, it's you grab a pack of icy hot on the way home from work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if you got back aches and if you got uh, sore muscles joke. and stuff, yeah, you grab yeah. some icy hot. That's correct. So well, yeah, I think that's very. But you got to show good them. advice. I, I think yeah. you can't just you. It can't be just. It's like you said earlier when you're in a group of people and you're and you're and you're networking or you're socializing or you're getting to know them, it can't be fake. Yeah. If you are in a relationship, you have to show be intentional. Right. I like that. Um, all right. So you grew up in the '60s and '70s. Well, I was born in the 1961. Yeah. So you grew of, up '60s. Well. '70s. Yeah. As a kid, before the internet. Before the internet. And cell phones. Before cell phones. I wrote down what the heck did you do for fun. 
that, that was a good question. And when I saw it, I thought back and I go, "Gow, you know, I think about all the fun we had. You know, when, like I said, when you're a kid, and the kid I was in the neighborhood that I grew up in and the, and the family that I grew up in, we didn't have a lot. Mm-hmm. So when you got, you know, for Christmas, the new set of hockey skates or you got the new hockey stick, you were at the park all day. Every day, yeah. And, and we never were inside. I mean, I think about my brother, Don, and, and my other kids, my other siblings that were older. We, I mean, we lived in a not a very big house, but there, you didn't see everybody until it was yeah. dinner time. Yeah. And if you missed dinner, you didn't get to eat. So, <laughs> so it was always you were out of the house. I mean, so we were always at the park, and we were always, uh, or we were always outside playing. Um, we didn't hardly watch TV at all. Um, you know, we played games. You know, at night we'd play games or you know uh, cards. We played a lot of cards growing up. You like board games? Um, yeah, board games. Yeah, yeah. You know, our family played a lot of board games. We had have a big family. You know, big. Rel- I have a lot of relatives. And that's what we did. We got together with our relatives, and we and we played games, and we hung out, and we did stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we had a lot of fun. But uh, it had nothing to do with what people do today. Well, I think our <clears throat> generation, my generation, is, your, and your generation too, is interesting because we both had to deal with the internet in different ways. You had to deal with it while being a parent, and being an adult with business and all that stuff. I had to deal with it being a kid, and like all of a sudden there's all this internet stuff and cell phones and stuff, but we both still remember the times before internet and before technology. And I look at those times as great. You know, I agree with you. We were outside all the time and, 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 uh, never was inside until kind of video games came out. And I mean, you guys had like an Atari and stuff, didn't you? Yeah. When I was, and you had Nintendo in high school, I think junior high school, I think we got, uh, some of that stuff. Again, we had, to, you know, buy it ourselves or if we were lucky enough that was a christmas present do you guys ever pool your money together um i can't remember if we ever did i'm sure we did but who knows i, I you know it, like i said it was mainly you know stuff that you could do footballs yeah. baseballs you know softballs gloves yep you know it was just the stuff that we were involved candy in. bars uh, we get candy sure i mean <laughs> you know that was the biggest thrill when you would uh, be out working is you could run down to the store and buy some candy that you how wanted. much was the candy that you would buy back then oh i don't know it was it was like 25 cents maybe yeah 50 cents maybe i think i was only making 75 cents an hour at the time i started working so um <clears throat> i know we kind of touched on this already a little bit but any other things you want to touch on when it comes to your philosophy with raising your kids oh gosh <laughs> um did it work? <laughs> you know, I think I think that um, you know when you're a parent, you know we talked about you know trying to teach them good work ethics and trying to teach them you know responsibilities. You know, I think if you can try to set a good base for them, right? I think if you can, you know, instill in them that um, you know you need to be around, right? You need to be involved in their life, and I and I tried to make an effort to be at as many of my kids' uh, events as I possibly could be. In fact, I coached uh, some of the kids. Um, you know, I think if you can get a good base, if you can get a good base with your with your, with your your kids and with your family, you know, and, and teach them, you know, the importance of, of family and teach the importance of uh, religion if, if you're a religious person or, 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 you know, just being grounded, I think that, that, that will carry them on, you know, into their life. And once your kids are older, like you guys are today, <clears throat> you know, your job as a parent is, is not over, but, but 
it's different because now you just hope that that base that you taught them mm-hmm. and the things that you showed them, they now carry on into their life so that, you know, um, they can they can live a fruitful life. But now all you do as a parent, when you're when they're younger, you pick them up and patch them up. When you get older, you hope you don't have to pick them up and patch them up. Yeah, but you just you 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 get involved if they want you to get involved. Otherwise, you sit back and and you just hope that the, they they do the right thing. But everyone's going to learn their own way. You know, you're yeah. going to have some hard knocks and 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 you're going to learn. Even though <clears throat> I may know the outcome of what someone's going to do or a choice that they're going to make, it's hard to share that because when you share it as a parent, it's like, oh, you're just my dad talking, you're just my mom talking, right? Right. And and you know, because you experienced it, and what I think kids forget sometimes, like I did, is your parents went through most of that stuff too. Mm-hmm. And, and, and But you got to figure it out for yourself at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah, at you know? the end of the day, if you don't learn the lesson on your own, as painful as it's going to be in some cases, if you, you know, a lot of times I say, you know what, everyone's got to find their own path. Mm-hmm. And everybody's path is different. And, um, you know, just because I took one path doesn't mean everybody should take that path. Yeah. It's not for everybody. Just like you and your sisters, they're, you're all on different paths. Yeah. You know, no, so. I, think, I think back to when I was a kid, and, I mean, when I was younger... I don't know. My memory is awful, so I don't remember a, a ton of uh, moments where it's like, "Oh, that was like a good parenting moment." I just always remember having fun, always having my my parents around. Um, but as I got older, I do appreciate like thinking back. I mean, I I, I started dating Ashley at fifteen, for <laughs> example. Like that's five years for for Jameis and my son is at right now, and that's crazy to me. If he had a girlfriend and was like in a relationship that serious at that young of an age, but you let me do it and you let me like figure it out. And yeah, uh, you were there it worked out to great. support me in the tough times. There was a time where I woke up an entire hotel in, uh, <laughs> I think it was, where were we? Florida, South Carolina. I don't know. Um, because me and Ashley were fighting and, uh, you know, I'm sure you're like thinking, yep, Florida, I think, yep, you're going to have these moments, but you, you always just, I, I think it's, and that's what I always tell, like, Ashley, and, and we agree, like, we have to kind of let the kids experience some things, even though we know it's probably not going to go very good, um, because yeah. they need to learn themselves. We can't just tell them everything, you know? I mean, you know, you know if they climb up in a tree, the chances they could fall down and get hurt. Yeah. But you can't tell them, get down from there, you're going to get hurt. Oh, well, I, you can, but they don't listen. Right, right. So <laughs> what's going to teach them? When, when they, they fall, fall and get hurt, yep. you know, so, and you know, Jamie you just hope that, and he, now he hasn't been in a tree since. Right. And you just hope, or right. And you just hope that they come out. Okay. Right. Yeah. And those are the lessons that you learn and you just can't teach. Yeah. You obviously stop them from like grave danger. Right. But yeah, little things, um, you know, like when they are on their bikes and they whip down the driveway out in the roads without looking, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're lucky they don't get hit by a car, mm-hmm. but someday they may, mm-hmm. and that's going to be a hard lesson to learn. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they survive. Yeah. That's just yesterday. I yelled at Ariana for that too. I'm like, <laughs> come on. But yeah, I mean that's a it's a big question. But no, I think those are those are good things. Um, best advice you've ever received. Oh gosh. So I sent you this one ahead of time because it's a tough you, question. Well, yeah, and I and I. Do you want to know mine? Sure. Be the obvious choice from my father. I know. That's <clears throat> absolutely the like. I remember when you. I don't. You maybe remember this better than I do. I'm trying to remember the. I, I remember it was in your office at the the initial Blaine office and you like cut out a little piece of paper or something. I don't know where you got this from. Do you remember where that came from? 
like the origin of mm-hmm. it was like some magazine article or something. I don't know. You had it. Like I came to you for something, and you like already knew what you were gonna do. <laughs> it was like probably just, uh, Tom Hopkins or something. But you had it was like highlighted, and you handed it to me, and because I remember I was I think it was like early on I was just like why would people or how do I get people to even want to like set an appointment with me? Like the whole concept of fill your calendar with appointments was so intimidating to me. Right. I was like how the hell do I do that? I don't know. And then you kind of just, you know, reassured me, but then you just simplified and be like, you just have to be the obvious choice. And once I, you explained it, like, you know, if you're not getting those appointments and someone else is, why is that? Like you need to go and do the things that you know, you need to do to be that person. And so that's mine. Yeah. Which has led to so many amazing things in my life. And also I've passed that on to so many of my team members and just other aspects of my life. So, so that little piece of advice has really shaped a lot of things for me, but what could you say for yourself? Well, that's one of course, but there's a lot of things. I mean, I think over the years, there's so many different people you come across and you bump into that share little tidbits of, of wisdom that, that just kind of go, Oh God, that's simple, right? Mm -hmm. You know, just focus on that. I think, um, you know, again, you know, to attract business and to build your business, you definitely have to be the obvious choice. But, you know, part of that is if you're going to succeed, right, if you're going to make it, Mm -hmm. it's totally up to you. Mm -hmm. And if you don't put that effort into it, you know, you're not going to make it. So one thing that I've learned over the years is I can't want it for somebody more than they want it. Mm -hmm. And as a manager, the hardest part of my job is I am so, I love this business so much, right? I am so passionate about this business and I want people to have success. And I know that it's hard, but it's simple. Mm -hmm. All you gotta do is (laughs) the things you need to do Mm -hmm. every single day. And they don't wanna do it. Mm -hmm. And so you can't want it more than they do. Mm -hmm. And that's the hard part because I take it harder than they do. Yeah. When they fail, it, it feels like I failed. You know, when they succeed, it feels like I've succeeded. You know, so... So it's like a reminder to yourself, like, hey, you can't want it more than them. Like, do right. what do what you can, but don't don't kill yourself over it because right. they it ultimately falls on them. Right. You right. know, and, and yeah, and I think you need to spend, you know, I think, you know, <clears throat> if you want to be successful, you have to emulate successful people. Mm-hmm. Right. And so... Early on, again, you know, you would go into the office and I would see people sitting around and we'd be at our cubicles and people would be making cold calls and I'd be sitting there going, that's the stupidest thing in the world. What what are you doing? Yeah. Well, we're calling people. I said, who do you call? And I remember the manager at the time, he looked at me and I said the same thing. I said, who do I call? I said, I've called all my family. You know, I've called all my friends. I've called my relatives. They're like, stop calling us. (laughs) And in those days, we had phone books yeah and I know some people today have never heard what a phone book is but they used to be great big thick books and in there there was they called them the white pages and there was all kinds of phone numbers in there and there For was yellow pages person. that had all the businesses in there now you go to Google and you get all that yeah. stuff right but I remember him throwing the phone book on my desk and he said open it up so I opened it up and he said point to a name and I pointed to a name he says call him <laughs> I said what do I say he just asked him if they're thinking about buying or selling a house yeah and so you know, again, I get off track because there's so many stories and yeah. so many things. But so, but what I learned from that was, you know, about being the obvious choice and and and, and how it's going to be up to you to be successful and, and, and emulating people that you want to be like. So I would look at the people making the calls and I would go, oh, 
this is stupid. I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking, how else can I make yeah. money in this business? And I'd go follow around the top producers and I'd ask them. I'd, I'd take them out to lunch or I'd take them out to breakfast or I would just ask them if they had five minutes, they could share something with me. And I would ask them, what do they do to be successful? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means you have to cut people out of your life mm-hmm. that are not maybe um, bring you on the right path to your success. Yep. And I remember having to change sometimes, and I, well, I had to change a lot of the friends that I hung out with. They're my friends. I still call them my friends, even though I don't see them a lot anymore. Yep. Because they wanted to do a lot of things that I love to do, but it wasn't good for my business. Right. Because it would take me away from focusing on my business, so I had to change that. And you know, I would go get coffee or I'd go get a soda and you'd have all the people standing around talking at the lunch counter and and it turns out they would sit there like half the day talking. <laughs> and it's and I'd like, oh, two and a half hours is gone, right? And I'm like, that wasn't good for my business. No. And then you go home and your your spouse would say to you, Well, do you sell anything today? Yep. Well, in fact I sat and talked in the coffee. No, but I made a new friend. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sell any real estate and has been around for 15 it's years. It's actually a competing realtor. We're yeah. Good for, yeah. <laughs> doesn't necessarily help. So, you know, uh, emulating, you know, be be around people that you want to be like. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Or don't be afraid to uh, to just rip off and duplicate, like like yeah, absorb ton, information. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, I mean, rip off and duplicate. I mean, it, that, that's what this business is about. You don't need to go out. There's, there's nothing new yeah, in this business mm-hmm. under the sun. I mean, Ever, there, there's just how you do it yep. and and basically don't you don't need to try to think oh there's got to be a secret way to do this business mm-hmm. there's not it's just work and mm-hmm. it's just doing the things that you need to do yep. and, and people will say and most of the coaches today are saying things like getting back to the basics well there's no such thing as getting back to the basics because this business basics. is basic yeah, you just, just have to do it every I know, day I know um, okay so this one is from McCall and I wrote kind of a similar one McCall is my sister um, she wanted to know what's the one thing that you want your kids to remember about remember? you. Well, I want them to remember to be good kids. No, I about remember me. about you. Oh, about me. Yeah. Am I going somewhere? <laughs> no, not that I know of. <laughs> well, like, what's your what's your uh, legacy? Like, you know, when if well, I hope when, when re- people think about you. Well, I hope they remember a lot. Of, I hope all of you kids remember a lot of things. But you know, um, I think the, the 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 hardest thing to remember is is you know even though you're older or even though you're you've got your own families now you know I'm still a parent I'm still mm-hmm. I'm still your father and I'm still going to say things to you that you may not like or, or dislike uh, but it's only because I I'm looking out or trying to I try to keep you know the best interests in mind for you guys mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know I, I I hope you guys remember all the fun stuff you know there's mm-hmm. so many <clears throat> god dang my throat is dry for some reason today but there's so many things that um, this business has allowed me to do with um, with you guys that if I wasn't in this business I don't know what that could do yeah yeah no I that's I remember all the fun stuff I, it's uh there's not many bad memories that's for sure you know well it's allowed us to have a lot of <clears throat> fun memories that um, if I was just working a normal job, I don't think we would have. So. No, we would have never been able to do half the stuff. So, yeah, I think I think that's a that's an easy, safe one. We'll always yeah. remember that. Um, biggest regret, if you could think back, is it, for example, uh, not buying that commercial building? Is that probably your biggest regret in life, or is it like is there something that really sticks out to you, or if you could go back and do it over again? Yeah, I think you know, I think um, 
So this business, the biggest challenge with this business is there's a lot of distractions. Mm -hmm. You know, and you go through cycles in the real estate market where business is good and business is slower. Mm -hmm. Right now, business is slower mm -hmm. than it was a year ago or even two years ago, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so when business is slower, people start looking for opportunities or things to maybe let's say supplement their incomes or make more money that aren't real estate focused. If you just focus on real estate and you really bear down in markets like this, you're gonna come out way ahead. Yep. But people start, you know, cause everybody's down. So mortgage companies are down, title companies are down, uh, insurance companies are down, warranty companies are down. All these people are down. If car dealerships are down, mm -hmm. all appliance people are down. Everybody's down. Pretty much right? everything. Photography. Except all credit these, card companies. Except credit card companies. <laughs> exactly right. And so they all start trying to to brainwash you and lure you away from your focus. Right. And and so the biggest regret I have sometimes is losing focus. Yeah. I think if I would have stayed focused on what I wanted to do when it came to that buying that franchise, whether it was that or just buying other businesses, you know, I gave up too early on it. Mm. You know, I, I should have, we should have bought the building. You know, think about today. If I'd have bought the building for a million dollars, it'd probably be worth five million, ten million today. Right. Right? I'd be done. Be done. You'd have retired a while ago. Yeah. Or, or, or I'd have had more, you know, and, and I think about all the opportunities I had to buy real estate. And, and I turned it down, whether it was back in the day in the 80s when I could buy them on an assumption, no mm -hmm. qualifying, mm -hmm. buy them on a contract for deed. In the, uh, think about all the properties you could have bought during the recession in 2007 and eight. right? right? Just think I if know. you'd have bought four or five properties. I know. You know, I only had a couple. I bought one. Yeah. For $113,500. Exactly. And how much, <laughs> you made a lot of money when you sold yeah, it. Yeah, doubled it up. But, but my point is, the, the regrets I have is when you ha if you don't have a plan in place and you're not, if you're not... If you're not budgeting, you know, for retirement for someday, mm -hmm. whether it's through money or through investment properties, or if you're not buying those investment properties, or if you're not setting yourself up for the future, you can't ever get out of this business. Right. I could have retired years ago, but I don't want to retire because I love this business. Mm -hmm. And I only could do that because I bought properties over the years that give me the amount of income and the, the assets that I want so that I can retire. Right. Because, you know, as a salesperson, right? You don't have 401ks. You don't have retirement accounts. No. You have to set you have them up to do yourself. it all yourself. And but what agents forget sometimes, Tyler, is 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 when you work a job and you get a paycheck, all that stuff comes out of the paycheck before you get it. Yep. But what realtors happens? What happens to realtors is they get a paycheck and they go woo and <laughs> they go spend it. it. Yep. Not remembering. Oh yeah, I got to pay my taxes. I got to pay this. I got to set up my medical out of it. I got to you know I'm not I'm not taking Social Security, state, federal retirement health benefits out of the check before I get it, and they spend it all, and then they never have enough money at the end of the day. I was fortunate early on that people taught me that, mm -hmm. and so I was always able to budget and, and have stuff, and that's why I'm in the position I'm in today. But I guess my biggest regret regret is um, not staying on plan. I got distracted not staying on the plan of owning the buildings versus switching to rent. Yeah. And it became because it was a fear. And usually well, when you have a fear in this business, a lot, a lot of people are, and I talked to you about this earlier this year, or maybe it was last year, when people are all saying, don't do this and don't do this and don't do this is when you think, God, I should be doing it, mm -hmm. right? When people in the stock market are saying, oh, you should be selling, you should be selling, you should be selling, no, you should be buying. I always say that. I say it, me and Ashley all the time. I'm like, if everybody's going left, we're going right. Right. Like, I just, I can't follow the crowd. Right. And maybe sometimes that's a problem. Well, but at the end of the day, I just think 
if everybody, the, the most of the people in America have credit card debt and most of the people have these issues or whatever, it's like, why would I want to go with the pack? I kind of want to go well, the opposite at, at, I'd say, 80% of the time. Entrepreneurs and, and people like that, they know that 80% of the people are, you know, sheep. Yep. I mean, to, to put it, you know, bluntly. Mm-hmm. I mean, None I of my listeners. No, no, no. <laughs> but 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 the 20%, right, the 20% of the people that are successful, those people, and, and maybe it's 70-30, maybe it's 60-40, maybe it's 90-10, whatever it is, but most people are followers. Mm-hmm. And the leaders like you who started your own, you know, business and you're recruiting and you're bringing in teams and you're teaching and you're training and stuff like I do, I mean, there's very few of those. Mm-hmm. Most people want to go a lot to a work. job. Yeah, most people want to go to a job work their few hours, come home, and I don't, again, I don't want people to take this the wrong way. They just want to be, you know, large, dumb, and happy, right? <laughs> Which some days I wish that yeah. that was me, well, you know there, what I mean? There's, there's, many, there's many days when we go home that you don't want to do anything, and you yeah. veg out, right? You, you, you just oh, kind of yeah. put yourself in, uh, you know, a mode that I just don't want to do anything. I today. still play video games on Tuesday nights with my buddies because I have to. Yeah. Otherwise, I'll just work yeah. repeatedly and, forever. But then you're up at 5 o'clock the next morning, you're off doing your thing, and you're in your routine again. Well, maybe not 5, but yeah. yeah. I'm but you, gotta, you have to get into, you know. But, yeah, so that's, I guess, my regrets is uh, not staying focused on some things that I really needed to at the time. But fortunate I've had a long career and I've mm-hmm. had many chances you know the, the hardest part with realtors is is you think well I'm gonna have as much money next year or I'm gonna make more money next year right. and they always think well I can plan for it next year right but you need to plan today um, yeah that's uh, I remember you telling me early on as a manager and I don't remember the exact stat but you you deal with a lot of realtors way more than I did and like most would you say most realtors like, for example, don't pay their taxes on time and stuff like that? Was that your... Well, when you look at national statistics and you look at, uh, you know, what, um, you know, we hear from uh, the general, uh, you know, industry is is the majority of realtors uh, don't pay their taxes on time. The majority of the realtors are in arrears when they start out the, the new year yeah. and they're trying to figure out how to make enough money to pay those taxes. And then, then sometimes people are out filing extensions and things like that, and that's a really a bad practice to get into. Mm-hmm. And that is why it's so important to you know uh, 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 allocate for that on a monthly, mm-hmm. on, a pay- on a paycheck by paycheck basis, so that you and so that you can pay those quarterly payments. Because the last thing you want to do is when you start out a new year, worry about God. Now I got to pay twenty five thousand dollars or thirty thousand dollars in taxes before I'm even profitable again this year. Right. And then you get to the end of the year and you file it again. That's a really bad habit it, it's a and, mm-hmm. and a lot of people get into that habit unfortunately well before the lightning round where i have not given you any of the questions ahead of time well maybe a couple but uh the last question i wrote down is what does the future hold for kevin miller what's like you know five years look like from now yeah well like i said uh, as long as i enjoy doing what i'm gonna what i'm doing i'm gonna keep doing it um my wife retired uh, uh a year ago um, and you know she's enjoyed that. Uh, I don't. I'm not a person that can not work. Uh, and and she's that's busy. putting it lightly. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. She's very busy. She does a lot of things. But I think she's even looking at maybe picking up something part time. So whether I'm you know working in real estate, and, and I'll probably always be involved in real estate because um, I you know I don't intend on ever giving up my license. Do you but have, I do own investment properties. Do you ever see yourself like moving more towards like a consulting or coaching role? Um, like you're not at an office full time, like you've retired. 
yeah. and then maybe you like do coaching on the side and stuff like that. Yeah, I've considered it, but you know, I, I kind of do that now, right? I mean, yeah. I kind of, I kind of uh, do coaching now, and I am a certified real estate coach. Another thing that I guess I didn't tell or say, mm -hmm. but um, you know, I think the hard part is again, I, 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 I get so um, invested, invested, and and if I don't see the same, you know, um, um, you know person giving back the way I'm giving to them or trying to help them if I don't see that effort then I'm that I'm yeah I, I can think, see where maybe you might be a little burnt out on I think on the coaching part once you retire just to be kind of I think the way some of the coaches do it today where they're you know they're collecting large sums of money you know I'll give you an example <clears throat> I'd love coaching and I and I could do it really well if people would follow the program and, and I and, and I and I do coach people um, an example is there was a agent one time that you know, was singing about getting into coaching or getting a coach. And I said, well, why don't I coach you? And I'm glad to do that for you. And he says, well, are, do you charge as much as this other coach? And I said, well, how much does the coach charge? Oh, the coach charges $12,000 a year. I said, oh, so $1,000 a month. Yep. I said, okay, why don't we do this? Why don't I charge you $500 a month? But here's what I'll do for you. So that's $6,000 a year. I said, why don't we put that $500 in 12 envelopes? And every month you follow through on the coaching that I've given you and you do the things that you're supposed to do, I'll give you that $500 back. You know how many months that agent lasted? One? Two. Two? Yeah. <laughs> I gave him his first one back. Yeah. And then the second one, he basically didn't do half the things they were supposed to do. I knew the third one wasn't going to work. I just gave him all his money back and I said, you're uncoachable. Hmm. So I think if there's not something tied to it that's significant, yeah, then I, I would never do it. I but. got asked to coach just like two weeks ago by somebody. Hmm. So. I wouldn't do it for free. I would make no, them. Yeah. I would put a value on it only because I think if there's not um, skin in the game, yeah, so to speak, th it ain't gonna work. I like. I mean, I I think paying up front too a little yep. bit is a paying smart idea because then because it's in their best interest. Like you got to show up. Yeah, you paid. We do events all the time, and normally we don't charge our agents for the events, but I make them pay. And then when they show up, they get the money back. Yeah. They don't show up, they're out the money. Yeah. You know how many show up when they pay in advance? All of them. Almost all of them. <laughs> you know how many show up when you don't collect the money? Probably none. Most don't. So five-year plan could be maybe still in real estate, like maybe still working full-time, but, yeah, I mean, but also you're maybe maybe retired if you did retire. What does that look like? Um, well, um, travel. I mean, I... I my wife and I, we have a lot of places we want to go and see. I mean, uh, we're looking at stuff down in the Florida area right now for uh, for another uh, investment property that mm -hmm. uh, we could have as a as a sometimes a use a, use for vacation. But uh, but uh, you know, I, I I see a lot more. You know, I, I look at all the managers that I've known over the years that have retired, um, and and their their way of life today and. And some have had a really great uh, career, and, and they're doing all the things they want to do. And I guess that's really what, you know, my five-year plan is, is being able to get out and do all these things in our bucket list that we yeah. that we definitely want to do and, and experience. So um, yeah, it's gonna be fun. that will give me more time. It's going to be fun to watch you in a retirement mode yeah, someday. Just because, like, again, you're on this podcast because of your work ethic. Yeah, thanks. You know what I mean, and well, and because you're my dad. Oh, but, that's the main. Reason. But but like, I mean, I can't just have my dad on my podcast. There's got to be a reason, and it's your work ethic. And to to think of you as like, you don't have to get up and go to the office every day is just weird, <laughs> as hell to think that. But I'm very excited for that because I think there's like another cool chapter 
weighting of like your your ethic your work ethic and your passion is just going to like totally go into something else yeah, i think gonna, you know and it's going to be awesome yeah i've always thought about you know it'd be fun to you know instead of having to get up and go to the same office every day yeah you know it'd be fun to go to different offices and do meetings and like you say may, maybe not coaching but but speaking and yeah. talking about certain subjects Consulting. and ideas because you know you know as as working as a manager under me or working under me as a manager you know there's only so many things you can talk about and so many things you can do. It's um, a basic business. Yeah, and You're then, hear then the it's same repeat, messages. right? It's, yep. it's repeat, and it's then how do you put a twist on it so it sounds different than it did the last time? <laughs> yeah, right? what contest can we run this month? Yeah, and so when, you, when you're when you working in a, in a large office for a long period of time, you know, all of a sudden the stuff, you know, there's always new stuff, but then some of the stuff is, is repetitive. Yeah. And so by going to different offices and, and doing different things, you can you can share your ideas. And for some of them, it's like, well, I've never heard that before, even though their manager might have told them it five times. Yeah. It's just hearing it from a different person in a different way that could make the difference. Oh, I, I'll, so say I can something, see doing that. I'll say something so basic sometimes to an agent that's struggling that isn't on my team. I'll be like, that's genius. You know, I'm like, really? That was genius? But <laughs> it's just... Yeah, like there's a there's so many people that haven't had the mentorship from you, right? Or someone like it. you, um, that is just like that's profound statements that you're making. But when we've all heard them, it's like okay, yeah, we've we've heard it before. We got it. Be the obvious choice. I get it. But like to somebody who's never heard it before, it could literally change their life, like it did in right. for me. In my yeah, opinion, it's usually it's usually just one or two things that changes a person's life. Okay, so I have a lot of questions. All right, we got to go through this because I we got to go fast. I, gotta go. I know, I know. And I'll skip some of these, but I thought I told you it would be only an hour, right? Yeah, no. This is probably going to be a two-part episode here. Um, what time do you have to leave? Just so I know how much uh, longer you got. I was trying to be out of here by one. Okay. I pass one. Yeah, and not yet, but it's eight minutes away. <laughs> um, okay, so not that I don't value your time and, no. uh, and all your listeners, but no, I know. Um, so do your best to just like really quick answers like short answers maybe one word answers if you got to explain something i get it but it's try to make a guy it who likes to talk i know best aspect of your job hmm. um not a good start i know sorry <laughs> <laughs> there's so many i mean there's so many uh, you can only pick one the best aspect huh? um uh, um selling okay selling top quality needed to be a successful agent Discipline. Okay. What's the most common thing or myth you hear about our industry? Like, like the, the most common it's myth. It's easy. Yep, that's a good one. Most annoying thing about realtors? Lazy. I mean, it, and don't take that the wrong way. I mean, I know everyone's a hard worker, but it's just they don't want to do the things they need Inconsistency, to do. Inconsistency. Laziness, yeah. Yep. Um, how would people closest to you describe you? And I can go if you want because I'm closest to you right now. Yeah, you should probably say that. Um, I would describe you as you. You're a complex individual, so it's tough. But you are rigid where you need to be, but inside you are this like little cuddly <laughs> stuff, stuff yeah, like probably, animal, a right. uh, little teddy bear. You're a softy, but in a good way. Yeah. You're emotional in a good way. Yep. But you don't always let everybody see that. Nope. So that's the way I'd describe you. Um, if you won $10 million tomorrow, what would you spend it on? Um, well, 
you know, I thought about that too. Um, if I won the lottery, what I would do, or if I won $10 million, um, easy answer. I would, um, probably, I would probably uh, do some, uh, traveling, uh, and doing some of the things on the bucket list that I've been putting off and give your son how much of it? Mm, maybe five bucks. Okay. Well, something <clears throat> again, need to earn it. <laughs> Greatest Elvis song. <laughs> oh my God. My dad's a huge Elvis fan. Oh, there's so many. Um, I, gosh, there's so many that I like that some people don't like, but, um, uh, you know, and Elvis didn't write any of his own songs. He basically, mm. you know, sang most of the songs that other people wrote and, and artists put together and then put his twist on it. But, um, 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 oh gosh, which one do I want to pick? I like them all. I'm not going to pick one. I like you can't pick one. It's impossible. No, I'm not going to. All right. A follow up to this then. So I have very fond memories of growing up, riding in the car, listening to certain CDs. Uh, Okay, one of them was the Jackson Five Motown <laughs> CD yep. with uh, Rock and Robin yep. and ABC and all that stuff. So, would you pick that album, or would you pick Elvis's best album? Which one, if you had to listen to it? All depends upon my mood. <laughs> he's I mean, in the he's mysterious. He won't give the answer. Yeah, no, I think uh, you know when you're uh, eclectic when it comes to music, right? I mean, there's certain days you want to hear a certain yeah. kind of music, and you know, some days I listen to country, some days I listen to rock and roll, some days I listen to pop. Some yep. days I we had a good Garth Brooks CD, yeah. we had a Shania yeah. Twain CD. Yeah, and it depends on who's in the car with me because usually you guys got to decide what we were listening. That's to. true. Unless what happened if they had bad words on them, CDs got thrown CD out the window. Got thrown out the window. Yep. For those of you that don't know what CDs are, <laughs> they're a round little. It's disc a compact that disc that you put into a player on your radio. Yeah. Um, so this is from Madison. What was your favorite activity to do with your friends in high school? Favorite activity? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Just... Uh, uh, Beating up nerds? No. <laughs> no. No fighting was... Fighting was bad. Um, no, I think uh, just being out with them, doing different things, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, hanging out at the field or, or whether it was... You'd go up to, to the field? Going to sporting events or... Did you guys have, like, a point? You know, like, you hear in the movies, like, we're going to go to the... Yeah. We're all going to the point. Yeah, the You'd, hill. Yeah, the hill. Did you have that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, everybody does, don't they? I don't. I don't. I think we all just I, like meet online. You know, when now. you think back about your friendships like that, it's. I think it's just the friendships. Yeah. It didn't matter what you're doing. Yeah. As long as you're doing stuff. I agree. Uh, Madison also asked, "What was your favorite toy growing up?" Hmm. Good question. Um, I would probably say it was a sporting thing, like a football or a glove yeah. or a skates or something like that. It was something to do with probably sports. your skates, right? Yeah, because that's the toys about. we played with. Yeah. We didn't have other, to you know, we didn't, you couldn't, like I said, my parents didn't have a lot of money. They weren't just buying frivolous toys. Yeah. It was stuff that you would use. All right. I'm very curious about this one. So if you had to identify one person, who is your mentor or your hero in your life? Hmm. <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of people. I mean, there's, I think... You gotta pick one. So like when it's impossible. Well, so it's like it's like uh, when you hear mine's one. not impossible. Mine's my dad. No, oh, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, I think well, mentors and influencers are, are are you know there's there's so many things that that people you talk to, people you bump into, people that again can say just one thing that can change and alter your life. Um, so I there's a lot of people. Uh, my dad had big influence on me. My mom had yeah. really big influence on me. Um, and I guess I suppose the manager that I first worked for when I got into real estate, his name was John. <clears throat> John he, who? John Gilchrist was his name. He's John passed Gilchrist. away. But he yeah. was probably had the biggest influence on me in my career. And, and if it wasn't for one conversation 
I would probably not be in this business. Yeah. And again, it goes back to, like I told you, um, you know, when we were down doing the cold calling, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we were thinking about all these things, and he talked about the phone book. And I remember going into his office the next day, and I said, John, this isn't for me. I can't do this cold calling thing. And I said, I don't care what you say. He says, well, Kevin, what do you like to do for fun? And this was another thing I learned is if you do what you like to do with other people that like to do what you do, you're going to get a lot of business. Yeah. And so I said, well, I don't know. I play softball. I play a lot of softball. I play three nights a week. I play on weekends. You know, <clears throat> he said, well, how can you incorporate that in your business? Why don't you incorporate that in your business? I said, what do you mean? He says, well, have you ever thought about sponsoring? Have you ever thought about buying drinks occasionally or buying pizzas occasionally when you're out? Getting to know people, maybe buying shirts, maybe sponsoring. So I started sponsoring teams. I started buying this. I started buying that. And pretty soon, everybody I knew, because I was playing softball so much and I was around so many people, they all knew I was in real estate. And that's where the majority of my business came from. And ever since then, I've always said, if you involve what you like to do in your mm-hmm. business with people who like to do it, you'll have so much business you don't have to do with. And I, I, I pass it on as I got older. I coached, you know, so then it, by when you're coaching, you get all the names and all the phone numbers mm-hmm. and all today, all the email addresses of all the parents. And so you're always in contact with them. And if you're not a pain in the butt coach, <laughs> if you're a decent human being, they want to do business with you and they'll refer you business. Yeah. So he probably had the biggest influence on me because he swayed me and convinced me and brought me in a direction that I needed to go to be successful in this business. That's I've never heard that story. That's why I asked it. Um, and your nicknames in softball were Heavy Kevy and Hollywood. Was there anything else? <clears throat> yeah, I had a lot of nicknames, but uh, <laughs> let's just stick with those two. Okay. Um, all right. Skip a couple of these. Uh, oh, favorite kid. Um, still undecided. <laughs> Uh, Jamie wanted me to ask you favorite grandkid. I still undecided. <laughs> Jamie and Ari, Grandpa loves you very much, but he can't make that decision. That's right. They're gonna watch I, this. I, They're I, gonna watch this at night it, when it, they fall asleep. It would have been you. easier, however, if when I called Jamie the other day, if he had answered his phone because I was in the middle of the fantasy football draft and I needed to, to know who to pick. Mm. I knew he would know, but he didn't answer the phone, so he's not on he the might top have been of the asleep. list. He might have been, but he's not on the top of the list. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Ariana, you got a shot. <laughs> Um, all right, let's skip that one. Oh, this is a quick one. Are we in a housing bubble? Uh, is there going to be a crash? (laughs) Uh, you know, um, I would say no, absolutely not. I would say absolutely not. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of people out there that, that believe that, that we're in a housing bubble of some sort, but we are not, we are in a, we, there's, Housing. Like the prices can't go up anymore. There's no way. So I'm going to hold out till it crashes. Well, I mean, prices could stabilize. I mean, so we have a shortage of inventory, right? I mean, the biggest problem we have in our marketplace today is we have a shortage of inventory. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have enough inventory for the people that want to buy houses. People won't get into the market because they can't find the houses they want to buy. Uh, rates have caused a little bit of a uh, concern there. But but rates are not any higher than they have you know been over the last, you know if you look at a 15-year average. What was the rate on your first house? Uh, well, my first house I bought on a contract for deed and an assumption, and the rate was 18%, <laughs> but on the contract for deed, it was only 10%. Mm. But I refinanced that within two years down to a 9% loan, so that okay. was good. But 18%, 17% was the average rate was that, back when I got was that the, the That wasn't the Boundary Creek Terrace house. That was before that? Right. It was 107th place. And then you, you did you buy a trailer park or a trailer at one no, point? No, my first house I, I lived in was a mobile home. Mobile home, yeah. Because I didn't want to rent an apartment. Did you own that? Yep. Okay. Yep, that was like was ten thousand dollars. Yep, technically. Well, yeah. So interest rate was like twenty percent. Long story short, uh, there's not going to be a housing crash. No, as, I would say as I we see say, it. I, I would say, 
there, there's not enough market indicators to show a housing crash. Uh, do I see the market maybe changing from a seller's market in the near future? No. Do I see it changing from a seller's market to a balanced market? Yeah, I see that happening um, over the next uh, maybe year or so. Um, I see a more balanced market. Okay. Um, we need more inventory, however. Right. Let's see. Broadway or Carbonis? Oh, by far Carbonis. Really? By far. All right. The Carbonis in Forest Lake, and I shout out to them because I've had other Carbonis. They're not as good, but Carbonis in Forest Lake, the best. We had Carbonis recently and did not sit well. But Was it from Forest Lake? No. See. Mountain Dew or Mellow Yellow? Mm. Hmm. I'm still a Mountain Dew person only because most places don't have Mellow Yellow. If you had to pick, though. Zero. Like if there was one. Zero sugar Mountain Dew. If if health wasn't an option, it no, didn't Mellow matter. Yellow, if, if health was, if Mellow Yellow. If there Mellow Yellow, really? Because yeah. I feel like you were always Mountain Dew. I was, but I like Mellow Yellow better. It's more milk, citrusy. Is milk, or are Milk Duds the best candy bar? Best candy? Best candy. Is milk, milk Duds? Duds? Oh, by far. Yeah? By far. Caramello Bar? Is up no, there? No. no. Ooh, yuck. That's where I'm at. Popcorn or ice cream? I'm changing on that. Yeah? It's always been popcorn my whole life, but I'm changing on it. I'm getting more towards ice cream. Well, but secretly, though, both bad. I always remember having ice cream sandwiches right. with you right. all the time. Like, right. you, you love ice my cream right sandwiches. Now. Yeah, you love them. I haven't had one offered to me in a long time from you. Uh, because you're always on these weird diets. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, but I have them in my freezer anytime you want one. Get me a clean ice cream sandwich. Yeah, good it. luck. I can, get, I can have it. So, you're, so bon you would bon. still... Peppermint Bon Bon is still a hard one to pass up. So you would pick ice cream over popcorn, you think? I think I would. Wow. So well, it not, depends. not going the way I thought it was going to go. Oh. <laughs> depends is, if I'm at a movie theater or not. This is also from McCall. This is a great question. Have you, or Actually, this is from Jeremy, I'm pretty sure. Oh, gosh. Jeremy said, have you ever eaten dinner at a sit-down restaurant in Mexico with no pants on? <laughs> not that I remember. <laughs> Follow-up question. White what are your wine. thoughts on white wine? <laughs> white wine, yeah. We well, had when, a very memorable dinner. When when you're having fun, you have fun. We had, yeah, my dad, he had a lot of fun that night. And uh, it was the white wine that uh, made him have a lot of fun. It was his oh, fun fuel. You guys always tell me, let your hair down. Hey, I had a blast. I thought it was hilarious. Um, favorite realtor? Oh, gosh. I love all realtors. I do. This one's sitting across the table for a moment. It's okay. Um, I love all realtors because I know what they go through and I know how hard they work. And I didn't expect that, an answer on that one. Anybody that can hang out in this business and, and do this business successfully, I got to give you... Everybody love everybody. Yeah. Um, okay. It, do you have a few more minutes? Yep. Uh, we're getting to the end here. Um, best vacation spot? You always go to Mexico. Is that where you would say your spot is? Um, the reason I go to Mexico primarily is because you can always count on sunny weather mm -hmm. um, but no i've seen some beautiful places i mean there's a lot of places i still want to go to but alaska was beautiful costa rica was beautiful you know jamaica is beautiful um <clears throat> you know but um yeah i, I would say my favorite is mexico because it's inexpensive for the most part it's easy to get to it's a short flight that's always and nice you can always count on good weather and then mccall asks, what's the number one place you'd like to travel to that you haven't been to yet uh iceland iceland mm -hmm. go in their uh lagoon up there Yep, in the right. fall I want to get there, but not this fall. Yeah, I would love to go to Iceland too. I've never, never been there. Uh, favorite restaurant? Oh, recently it's changed. It always used to be Benihana's, but mm -hmm. the last time I was there, and again I have a you know I don't want to 
throw Benihana's under the rug, but uh, the service was terrible and the food was not good and, and uh, it really came down to the service. So I was disappointed, so I probably won't go back there for a while. So we had that too, <clears throat> and then we went back again and it was totally fine. Okay. So I don't know. I, I said the same thing. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. The food wasn't great. And then the next time, it was perfect. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. But there's so many great places to eat. I think you got to try them all. But you don't have a favorite. Like right now, like if you. Every place I go to, I have a favorite dish. Well, I know what that is. Right. Just depending on where I'm at, I'm going to get a favorite, my favorite food there. But uh, What's no. your favorite dish to get at your favorite restaurant? What is it? Uh, well, that depends. So. Benihana's is pretty self-explanatory. You like to get the shrimp and chicken. Yep. Um, and fried rice, of course. With yummy sauce. With yum yum sauce, yep. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> at uh, at um, uh, a, a restaurant near me, uh, they have the best roasted chicken in town. So hmm. when I go there, I get the best roasted chicken. What restaurant's that? It's called the Log Cabin, hmm. and it's in Forest Lake. And if you like pizza, again, Carboni's, I believe it's the best. Broadway's mm-hmm. good, but Carboni's is the best. Um, what about a gas station hot dog? Holiday, for sure. <laughs> Holidays, gas station hot dogs are by far the best, I'm telling you. Oh, my gosh. People I used think to give, I'm crazy, no, but they are the best. No, you're right. But I used to give you so much crap when we worked together. He would we The office was literally across the parking lot from a holiday. You could walk to it. And he'd be like, oh, I'm going to go grab, go to holiday and get a hot dog. I'm like, that's disgusting. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? And everybody always said the same thing. And then, like, one day, I remember in a pinch, I, like, had to stop or something. In Coon Rapids, I remember it's like the Speedway or something, and I'm like, I'm getting a, I'm getting a Nathan's hot dog, whatever, and mm-hmm. I got it, and I, I called Ashley immediately, and I was like, my dad is right, <laughs> these are really good, <laughs> and I feel disgusting eating a gas station hot dog, but hey, once again, perfect. I gotta let you find your own path, right, right, you tried, um, okay, and I, and I know you don't drink a lot, okay, you don't drink alcohol a lot, every now and then you will have a beer, maybe. But if you had to pick your favorite drink, but also it's like your favorite drink and your favorite place to have it. For example, like when I went to a cigar bar in Florida and I got to have an old fashioned in these really tall cigar chairs while having a cigar, that was a really cool, like a moment to have a drink, right? Like if, do you have any of those moments or any of those spots where you're like, if I go here and I have this drink, it's like I'm on vacation or something like that i mean i think yeah i mean when i do have you know alcohol it'll be something simple like a you know a corona or a michelob ultra when i'm on the beach in mexico it might be a uh, it might be a pina Pina colada colada. you know but uh you know again what's your favorite um is it on the beach with a pina colada you know i think a pina colada is the you know my favorite when i'm having one because it's yeah it's just the whole environment, the whole right. atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, drinking overall, I think, you know, I'm just not, um, as you know, I, uh, the experience in my life with um, that, you know, with other people and stuff like that, just I've always had a, um, um, and even, even you know, sometimes when you think about the past, you could go down. That's just not a good path to go on. And I think unless you can really keep it in moderation, it's really not a great thing. And Yeah. <clears throat> so I try not to do that. Sure, it's not white wine in Mexico? White wine in Mexico occasionally is not bad. <laughs> um, all right, a few more here. Uh, we're getting down to the last, like, five or six. So uh, Jeremy asked, if you never got into real estate, what job would you choose? And there's no money restrictions and or bills are all paid for. So, like, what would you do if you weren't in real estate? But you had to have a job. I think I could have made a great attorney. Yeah. But I would have had to go to school, 
and I would have to pass all those classes, and yeah. I had to have all that debt and all that spend all that money. If but those all paid for, I think I could have been a great attorney. So we should probably set up a fake <clears throat> case, and then you can battle McCall. I help her all the time. I help her all the time. And Jeremy is also an attorney. Yeah, so Jeremy and McCall, we're gonna play this thing out. Yeah, I help her all the time. I'll be. I can be the the witness, and you guys can grill me. If it wasn't for me. I don't think McCall could even compete in court. <laughs> With all the arguments, that's you right. Taught her over the years. That's right. Um, Jeremy also. Jeremy's uh, McCall, my sister's husband. Jeremy also asked, "Do you think Jim Winter will ever make it as a professional bowler?" <laughs> uh, Jim, Jim Winter. Jim, if you're listening, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. But uh, no. <laughs> Jim Winter is Diane, he, your he, your sister's husband. So, yeah. So here's what I, here here's what I'd say about that is again, I'm not faulting anybody for having a passion. He has a has a wonderful passion for bowling, like I had for you know softball or whatever it might be, and you you know you support your passions. Yeah. And and I wish him all the best, but yeah, it is what it is. Will he ever play five hundred in a non annoying way? No, 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 he doesn't know how to play five hundred. He does something with the cards, people. like he just I don't know what he does, yeah. but yeah. He doesn't. Jim, play we the love proper you. way. My grandpa, my grand, my I always tell I always tell him my grandpa would be rolling over in his grave <laughs> <laughs> because he doesn't play the right way. If you had to pick absolutely one to keep, would it be Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok? <laughs> if I had to pick one to keep? Yeah. I mean, it's not TikTok, right? You're not even... Oh, God, no. 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 It, maybe Instagram. Yeah. Any reason why? Because they don't share their life stories on there that are fake. Yeah, it's not as... Facebook is, in my opinion, it's a great resource for realtors for marketing and advertising and promotion, but most of the stuff on there is not real life. Yeah. Instagram is just quick to the point. Are you and Sue binging any show right now? Yep. What show? It's called Billions on Paramount. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love Paramount. Billions. So. Mm-hmm. What season are you in? Uh, season four. Okay. Yeah, I, st- I haven't watched the last season, I don't think, because, like, I don't know, something happened. But, it, yeah, it's a great show. Uh, do you have a book recommendation for anyone? Um, I would say any book that's related to sales uh, and, and real estate, I would read. Or, yeah. you know, I would get it on audiobooks and, and listen to when you're in the car. Mm-hmm. Anything that's, uh, that's uh, effective with real estate and, and selling. All right, last, last two, last three questions. What's your go-to order at McDonald's? <laughs> if you just, like, late night, got to <clears> get something, what is it? Well, hopefully it wouldn't be late night because if it was late, late night, it would probably be White Castle. Okay. But uh, if it was just my go-to order, it's Quarter Pounder with cheese, no onions. Okay. And no longer Burger King because you, you, we used to go to Burger King Used to be King chicken, chicken, original chicken sandwiches at Burger King, but no. They they're, like changed. They're pretty much gone. Something. They're out of Their quality is just bleh. Yeah, and they're not many around. But again, default of, uh, of uh, real estate, fast food, and that's a tough thing to yeah. break away from. Uh, what do people misunderstand about you most? Um, I think sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's the way I answer a question sometimes, or the maybe, maybe the way they, I always say it's the way you hear the, the, the answer. Sometimes it might come off as, um, you know, as, as maybe, you know, um, I guess, uh, mean, but it's never intended that way. Yeah. I get the same thing. Uh, last one I wrote down, favorite childhood memory. Do you have one that jumps out to you? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I think it changed my life too. Is <clears throat> is my well? There's so many great memories, but I guess my favorite one is real estate related as well. Mm-hmm. When I was uh, again 11, 12 years old, when we lived in Minneapolis, um, we were actually my father was looking at taking a job transfer to Chicago, 
uh, for his position at the, as a union organizer. <clears throat> they wanted him to take a promotion, and, and he was going to do that, and we were looking at Chicago, and when he decided to um, uh, sell the house, um, I told one of my friends who lived nearby that I played with every day, I said, hey, because he told me his parents were thinking about buying a house, and mm -hmm. I said, hey, my mom and dad are going to sell their house. You should come over and look at it and buy it. And they came over and looked at it and bought it before it even hit the market. So that's you were selling real estate even selling before real estate you could. Before I even had a license, that's right. That's awesome. Well, that's all I got for everyone today. So thank you for sitting through my my torturous questions and uh, for your first podcast. I think you did amazing. Well, thanks. Um, and uh, yeah, I just really appreciate everything you've done for my my life and and uh, you're uh, you're an amazing person. So well, just thanks. want you I to know. It. Want you to know I love you and. Uh, you know, I'll I'll have to have you on a podcast, a different one to to grill you some more. But edit it down to ten minutes, and you'll be good. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of content here, right. so we're probably gonna get maybe thirty seconds out of this. But for anybody that stayed and was listening the whole time or watched, I uh, really appreciate you. Reach out anytime if you know anybody that needs to be or should be featured on this podcast. Um, if you know anybody that's influential in the community. Um, that uh, I, I'd love to spotlight their business or, or uh, just them as a person. So please always send any recommendations my way. And again, always appreciate your support. And we'll catch you on the next episode of the Obvious Choice podcast. All right. Love you. Thanks. Love you.